2: <laughs> welcome aboard national football show It's your boy big Sills. appreciate everybody stepping in we are officially six days out six days out from training camp you got teams reporting with rookies and free agents today yesterday there were teams football's here my friends football is here And now the storylines begin. And now the expectation conversation starts. Now rent is due. September's right around the corner. August exhibition games. What will the Eagles do with those? Will they just let those great reps and quality reps go by the wayside and think that controlled scrimmages during the practices are going to be all they need to prepare for an upcoming NFL season? Which really, if you look at, the start of their season, Lions improved, Vikings improved, Commanders improved, Jags improved, Cardinals improved. The Cowboys, not so much, but you haven't touched them in the last three years. So, all that being said, the start of the season, there's two parts of the season here for the Eagles, okay? These first couple games, these first six games, you're by, and then you come out and you start playing some good football teams, too, again, in the middle of the year. But we're going to know all we need to know going into that buy. By the way, bottom of the hour, our friend Seth Joyner will join us. And we're so proud to have him part with Mike Missinelli and all the guys, D-Gunn and everyone. It's going to be part of our post game show. Following every single Eagle game, it's going to be awesome, man. We're going to have the absolute best coverage of Philadelphia Eagle football right here on Jacob Sports. And Seth Joyner is going to join us. That'll be at the bottom of the hour. We will get Seth's opinion. And we appreciate Seth now being part of our family, so I can't wait to have him jump on with us. That'll be at the bottom of this hour here. All right. As I've been doing the last couple games, for you guys, you know, we, we've been looking at the 2022 teams that the Eagles are going to be playing. We did Lions, Vikings, Washington. We did the Jags yesterday. Today, we're going to do the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to get into that here in a minute. But I want to ask you guys something, and I want to start the show off with this. Do you guys know how many attempts... Jalen Hurts had last year per game. And by the way, it's not just so much Jalen, it's the offense. How many passing attempts do you think that this football team had last year? Now, remember something. Why I'm going here? Well, if you're going to improve all these numbers across the board like everyone is suggesting they're going to do, 2,000. Wide-receiving yard seasons coming up with these two guys, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. You think he got a 900-yard reception tied in? How many more attempts do you think he's going to have to throw to improve the numbers? 35. GG Meta says 35. 30 a game, says Kyle. Yeah, per game. How many attempts do you think the Philadelphia Eagles had per pass last year per game? How many how, what, what do you think the average was for a 17-game NFL season? What do you think it was? Quote Jody Mack, the Eagles don't play a team that won a playoff game last year, this year. True. Absolutely true. It's the 31st worst schedule or easiest schedule in the NFL. 32 average. Jesse is more right. Last year, the Philadelphia Eagles averaged 28.8 attempts while completing 17.6. And this was in the result of Jalen throwing for 3,100 yards and 16 touchdowns, I believe. Let me put that in perspective for you. Josh Allen threw the ball 38 times a game. Had 24 completions a game. And if you look at his total, he basically had more completions last year, Josh Allen, than what Jalen Hurts almost had in attempts. I think Jalen was 434. I think Josh was around 404 incompletions think about that jalen hurts threw the ball for 434 times last year josh allen completed 404 last year how much more are you expecting him to throw the ball while sacrificing the running of the football and what your true strength is are you really going to go away from that formula by the way I can't wait to ask Seth Joyner that. The kid averaged 28 attempts. They won nine ball games with that. You're going to take the attempts per game when it comes to rushing attempts away from the strength and go more towards the weakness so you can improve your passing game. Tell me how many more attempts you think he had. By the way, five attempts a game? It's not going to get that guy to 4000 passing yards. You've got to be around 38 to 40 attempts per game. Are you really going to do that with a mentality knowing this? You started the season out 2 and 5 last year with that mentality. Okay? No, I went 15 ball games. Jess. Cuz he only played 15 ball games. Kyle thinks that the offense is going to take away from running the ball. And you're going to start throwing between 35 and 40 attempts. And you think that's going to be a winning formula? What do you mean gross average? He had 434 attempts, Randall. 28 attempts a game. I don't give a shit what you call gross. Maybe it is Gross because it's got to be some of the least amount of attempt passes for a football team that had a winning record last year. How many more attempts do you really think that they're going to put into the hands of Jalen Hurts? Will you guys keep telling me about all these numbers, 1,000 yards here, 1,000 yards here, 1,000 yards here, 4,400 passing yards. How many more attempts? This guy didn't even average 30 attempts. 36 attempts. So you're going to up at almost 10 more attempts per game. 40, says Gigi. Mike is right. He's going to need about 650 attempts to keep his job. And how about this? To get a fair assessment on who he is. How can you get a fair assessment on Jalen Hurts with 28 attempts a game? It's got to be one of the lowest numbers in the league. Like I said, Josh Allen almost had as many completions as he had attempts. By the way, I'm not saying last year's formula is wrong to use. I'm saying last year's formula, you might want to stick to that first. Before you start throwing the ball 40 times a game. Because this guy right here hasn't done it. But you spent $100 million and you got a first-rounder over there. Guys. Which is it? Are you building the team for someone else? Or do you truly think they're going to start off the season throwing the ball 40 times like they did last year? Okay, I mean, (laughs) I don't see them going, hey, Jalen, throw the ball 40 times, 38 times. No, 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 no. You say, So Hertz isn't the answer. You sound like my wife, Randall. I'm not talking about him not being the answer. I'm talking about coaching. Coaching. This is a coaching opinion. How is Sirianni and the OC going to handle this to get all these numbers? This is really anything to do with Jalen. Not talking about Jalen Hurts here. How are you fundamentally going to, as a unit, up that to forty attempts a game? How are you going to do that in a pass happy league? How are you going to take advantage with that? Are you really going to come out of the gate like that? What is the proper game plan? What is the identity? What if he gets three to five more receptions with the same amount of attempts? Boy, if he does that, he'll have 75 completion percentage and lead the NFL, which I do not believe that's going to be the case. Your' elite quarterbacks in the game. here, let's do this. Let's just for craps and giggles here, okay? Most attempts in the NFL quarterback in 2021. Let's take a look Tom
3: at. Okay, let's got take a
2: look statements. at this here. Most passing attempts. Most passing attempts, NFL quarterback, 2021 season. Let's see here. The most passing attempts. Tom Brady last year threw for 719 attempts. 719. Holy cow. Look at these numbers, man. My point is, offensively, what's going to be the game plan? Oh, excuse me. Pass attempts, Brady had, let's see, going down here to, to, okay, here it is. Brady actually had 800 attempts. Mahomes had 780 attempts. Stafford, 741. Josh Allen, 708. Justin Herbert, 672. Dak, 639. Mac Jones, 559, and he's 14th. Jalen Hurts was 21st in pass attempts with 475. Tyler Heineke threw the ball more. So Carson Wentz threw the ball 516 times. How many attempts do you think he's going to throw this year? And do you feel comfortable with him throwing the ball? 500? 600? I mean, we're calling him elite, or some of you are. What's going to be a number for the Eagles to go out this year and by the end of the year to get a fair assessment of who he is? I'm not going to be able to get a fair assessment on who this guy is with... 400 attempts i mean not when you have guys with 400 completions you're not going to be able to have a fair assessment of the offense either you got to get him around 600 attempts two questions Sills for seth how many pass attempts should he have and your list who's he better than i don't know what that means you're talking about good passing quarterback sales, not Jalen's game. Well, wait a minute. You're spending money a hundred million, and then you're putting a first rounder out. I mean, intangible. You got you you've you've got assets out there right now. Lamar was hurt last year, so his stats wouldn't compare, unfortunately. If we score early in deep, look, here's here's where I'm going to go with you. I don't think you should start the season throwing the football a billion times. I think you should stick to what made you guys and just build off it and gradually add it. That's why when you guys are saying thousand yard seasons here, it's not going to look like that. You're going to be very disappointed, in my opinion, out of the gate. Why in the world would I want to do something my team is not good at and proved it last year when you're two and five? You better get out of the gate the same way you finished the season last year. You need to run the ball. Hey, we had a ton of conversations this year about passing. Well, let's get back to the thing that they do best. They got to run the ball. If you're going to win – here – how many wins do you think that Eagle team potentially just just a couple of you? How many how many wins do you think you think this football team is capable of of having this year? You bet I'm going to bring this up with Seth. Okay, and I I I I can't wait to hear what he says. Okay, thirteen wins, just a couple of you. How many wins? Are you projecting this year for this football team? 8 to 9, 10. I think more than 8 to 9. I think it's 10 to 11 in there. Okay? 10 and 7, says Randall. 11, 13, Mike. Okay, guys. You're not going to win 12 games throwing the ball 640 times. Get that out of your mind. You are not. If you throw the ball 650 times... You'll be 7-10. and 10. Remember I said that. 7-10 and 10 if you throw that ball more than 600 times this year. You guys are basing those 11, 12, 13-win regular seasons. You know what you guys are basing it off of? The run game, not the passing game. You have no context to throw that out to that coach. That football team, that huddle, is capable of winning 13 games throwing the ball. You have no context in that. You have no history in that. You have history in running the ball. Okay? I started thinking about this. Well, wait a minute. Does everybody just assume that all of a sudden in game one, Jalen Hurts is going to throw the ball 45 times and they're all of a sudden going to recreate the wheel here? and they're going to get away from who they really are, dominating people at the line of scrimmage. If you take that asset away from the Eagles, they're not a good team. You are 27th in passing. That number probably gets to 16 in passing. I wouldn't stray too far away from either being one through three when it comes to being one of the top running attacks in the NFL. You start dipping out of that, You're going to start sacrificing wins. You're not capable of doing what Josh Allen and Brady and Herbert and these other guys are able to do. They throw the ball 600 times because sometimes they get behind in the scoreboard, but they can throw their team out of trouble. That team can't. That team can't. So you may be a little disappointed out of the gate, With the style of offense, that football team's going to have to put out there because it may be boring ball. I don't want to see, against the Lions, 42 attempts and 17 rushes. And I don't want to see this. Nine of those 17 rushes is from Jalen. Joseph says, I'm a hater because I'm asking you to stick to what you do so you can win games. You're an idiot, dude. You are an... If I'm a hater, you're an idiot. I'm not even talking about Jalen Hurts here. I'm talking about the way they're going to coach his ass, build an identity for the offense, like the coaching staff did last year. The coaches in that O-line put that team in the postseason. How is that hating? That's exactly the 2021... Philadelphia Eagles season in a nutshell. You put the team in the hands of the O-line. The coaches saw you couldn't throw the ball, so you ran it. And now you want to get away from that? Good luck to you. You'll never win 10 games throwing the rock. You're going to win ball games by sticking to who you are and then expanding the passing game. Expanding it. Growing it. What's Nick Sirianni say, Xander? Put the little seedlings in, watch it grow. Give Jalen a chance. Throwing 45 times will end his career. Sprinkling those attempts up from 28 to 32 to 34, maybe a 40 game that's how you develop him if you think you're gonna throw that kid out there because you got aj brown and Devontae smith and you're gonna throw the ball 45 times that's poor coaching and i would blame nick sirianni more than i would blame jalen hurts that's poor coaching that's not fundamentally using the assets that you have Steven goes, if Hertz throws the ball 42 times, there's four picks. Correct. But if they run the ball 42 times, the Eagles are going to run you off the scoreboard. AT says this, we don't need to throw. We have an elite game and a run game. Absolutely, AT. We can really on the run, which will open up the path and play action. Exactly, AT. It's a great take. That's what I want to see, AT. Coaching, remember what I said the three things are going to be surrounding the Philadelphia Eagles season 2022? You know what it's going to be? Friends, head coach, D.C., quarterback. Coach is involved in this conversation as well. Sirianni's got out to a nice start. Guess what? There's a start, a middle, and an end. In a race. Okay. And the NFL is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Where are you in that process? 34 attempts is very balanced. If he wasn't having fun. I'd just leave. But love sales. GG. Thank you brother. We're going to run the ball. But that's not going to be as much as it was a year ago yeah but Dominic let me throw this at you here Dominic if you don't run the ball as much but you get effectiveness out of it at four five or four seven to carry okay you don't have to put up to 250 yards rushing you just got to keep guys honest and you've got to keep them at least in fear of the run don't make yourselves one-dimensional again. Don't do that. You're trying to create balance. You know, most teams, you know, you guys always crap on the Minnesota Vikings. You know, the one thing that they have that the Eagles don't have? Balance. They can throw it and run it. There's tremendous balance. Least amount of picks last year. I mean, they have balance in their offense. DeAndre Swift with the Lions, they're going to create some balance in that game one. Swift is going to be a pass-catching demon this year in the NFL. I think he's going to have 80 catches. That may lead all running backs in the NFL. And I think he's a 1,400-yard back. It's not good. You're going to see a lot of balanced guys. Sills, they think because we have a solid wide receiving core that makes – hurts elite of course they do because those guys are really good talented guys and they're assuming that's going to elevate his game you're assuming that he's got to prove that but the coaches also have to help him okay how many times do you see coaches i'll tell you what i'll give you with andy reed andy reed is horrible two minutes into the half and two minutes at the end of game that guy's two minute Game plan is not very good. His handling of timeouts, I don't even know if he cares about him. His clock management has been an issue his entire coaching career. Okay? So it's it's coaches can put you in crappy situations. Gigi, it's not so much the coaching has to be smart, is where. Guys, just don't aim it at Jalen here. I'm not aiming it at Jalen, okay? I'm not aiming this at him. I'm aiming this more at the staff and how they're going to start the season in those first one, two, three, four, five, six games heading into the bye week in week seven. How are you going to fundamentally, it's going to be my first question when I talk to Seth, okay, at the bottom of the hour here, Okay, I mean, are you really fundamentally going to get away from what you did last year to turn the team around and to go back to what you did at the beginning of the year because you had fool's gold against the Atlanta Falcons? The Falcons game was the worst thing that could happen to the Eagle passing game because they started believing in it. And by the way, let me throw this at you too. You know, I was told that Nick Sirianni was his so-called play-calling expert. He hands it off to someone else and, you know, okay, it's, it's kind of what I thought about with Mike McCarthy. So Mike McCarthy's not the play caller in Dallas. He was the play caller for Brett Favre and for Aaron Rodgers. But you feel more comfortable in Dallas with Kellen Moore because Dak does? I would have changed that right up if I was the head coach. I said, I'm the play caller. Are you crazy? I coach Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Who are you, Kellen Moore? But see, Jerry runs that deal and they wanted to keep Kellen Moore as the play caller because Dak liked him? Whatever. <laughs> and what has Kellen Moore done to the offense? Kellen Moore and that offense, the last two years, in my opinion, I don't know. Well, they led the NFL in offense last year. Yeah, and he got bounced in the opening round. You said Hurts needs to throw for 4,200 yards. I'm not talking about Hurts right now, guy okay I'm not talking about that all we'll right. take a time out before we get set join around with us here guys please hit the like button keep it right here on the National Football Show
3: go for the polls and the pools go for the ooze and the ahs. go for the bubbles And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. I'm dunk champion. Really?
0: <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right. Here we go. Let's hear the crowd. Okay, so that's all right. go, go fake mama. Mama, oh, mama She did it.
4: Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid
2: financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings.
3: United Healthcare.
4: Uh-huh.
3: Go for the pulls And the pools Go for the ooze And the ahs Go for the bubbles And the bubbly Go for the story And the stories Go for the win Go to Ocean Casino Resort Book your trip at theoceanac.com
2: Welcome back. National Football Show with your boy, Big Sills here. I, I just, before I go to Seth here, I just want you guys to understand something. The Eagles built an identity last year after the two and five start. Okay. That was smacking people in the face. Jalen Hurts averaged 28 attempts per game, 400 something completions. Josh Allen had 400 completions compared to jalen hurts his 434 attempts if you think that that offense is just automatically going to do this in the lions game here's 44 attempts why in the world would you get away from your strength as i said i think you got to gradually build the passing game off of your strength a guy that i respect and i can't wait to see this post-game show mike missinelli and Here's my guy, Seth Joyner, man, and I appreciate it, Seth. I always wanted to be on your team, and now we are, man. (laughs) Welcome aboard, man. I always wanted to play with Seth Joyner. Now I get an opportunity to talk some ball with you, man. Welcome aboard, brother. Thank you, man. Thank
5: you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man, so
2: we're teaming up again with uh, 6ABC, and uh, my question, though, is this. I think we got to put d Gun in between – you and Mike missinali what do you think?
5: No, no. I, you know, you might be right though, because I, I got a feeling that um, Mike's going to be quite the antagonist all year long. I mean, he started yesterday by just, you know, just poking the poking the bear a little bit, and I'm like, you know, he thinks that I don't get it, but I get it. You know, it's good. It's good for TV. It's good for our show. You know that he's going to be like that, but I know how to control it. <laughs>
2: Hey, if you could control Jerome Brown, you could control <laughs> Mike Alley, man. Hey, you know, Seth, I hope you heard a little bit of what I was saying. I mean, I think these fans and I think people are under some assumption because you added A.J. Brown, you drafted a first-round draft choice, that you're just going to all of a sudden reinvent the wheel here and you're going to take Jalen from 28.8 attempts a game to 42 attempts and get up to what you did last year at the beginning of the season when you started two and five. I think they gotta run the ball and gradually build the offense through the passing game. Do you agree?
5: Well, my biggest question is whatever happened in professional football to you know offensive coordination? You know, if you've got these run plays that are successful, then where's the coordinated pass plays off of those same looks? That makes the defense think that you're gonna run the ball, but you're actually running play action off of that and whatnot. And and listen, I get your point, but I do think that the pass attempts need to increase this year for Jalen Hurts because they need to find out long term whether he can be the guy. I wasn't aware the second half of the season he was averaging 28 attempts per game. There were some games where you know he barely, you know, got over you know, got 20 attempts in a game. So, I mean, somewhere along the line, those numbers balanced out and went up. But I, I've been saying all along that he needs to be in the 30 to 35 attempts per game arena in order for them to be able to decipher whether he can be the guy. I, I think that when you, if, if you're not Patrick Mahomes, if you're not Tom Brady, if you're not Aaron Rodgers, um, uh, if, if you're not of that caliber, then to me, I think forty-plus attempts a game is, is is a flirtation with disaster. Because when you throw the ball that many times, the law averages say that somewhere along the way you're going to turn it over either via pass or sack, strip sack, or something along those lines. But I'm not saying that the Eagles you don't know, have to come in and run their offense the way that they ran it last year. I I, I believe that that would be a mistake. Was it a mistake for them? And when I said it last year, um, Big Seal, I said, listen, you know, the way they started off, they set themselves up for yeah. for, for failure. You know, you started off, and Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball 40-plus times a game throughout those first seven games. And I'm like, listen, you're arresting this kid's development. You know, those seven games, in my opinion, were somewhat of a wash and a throwaway because you don't take a first-year starter and put him out there and have him throwing the ball all over the yard." You run the ball. You run play-action pass. You use his skill sets—the thing, that, things that he is are, are strong at—and you knew that he was strong at those things because you made the adjustment the second half of the season. You know, so why would you come out and do that? So I just believe that you know you, you run the ball. You got three really good backs. You you brought in two more that could be of you know great great help to you. You know you establish the run. You go play-action pass off of it. You use all the skill sets of Jalen Hurts and you balance your offense up. They don't need to be 70-30 pass. They don't need to be 60-40, you know, um, um, pass to run. They need to be somewhere in the neighborhood right around, I would say, 55-45, you know, pass to run ratio. And if they can do that with success, with the improvements that they have on the defensive side of the ball, and if they can get better on the special team side of the ball, then they're going to be in every single game with an opportunity to win, in my opinion.
2: Absolutely, Seth, and that's I, I, gradually building this offense because they built an identity in the second half of the season. And like you said, I think that Atlanta game was fool's gold in the fact, and that's where all those numbers were set. They were throwing the ball 37, 38 times, then they realized that after week eight they couldn't do that anymore. I want to switch you over to this now. You know, I was bringing this up with people yesterday, and I don't think they understand when I say arm talent. They automatically assume, I'm saying, arm strength. Now, there's some variable that's part of that evaluation and that equation. Of course, you have to have the arm strength to throw the out. The out pass is one of the most important passes that a quarterback can throw. However, when I look at the guys around the league and I see great passing ability, accuracy, on time, knowing where to throw the ball, all that is arm talent. Do you think Jalen develops and do you think he has enough arm talent to be able to really win a job and be a superstar player in this league? Zeth, I I haven't seen this arm talent yet.
5: Well, listen, I being in the position I am, I got a chance to watch every single throw, every single play, multiple times this kid through last year. You know, what people don't realize is that, you know, we, we always tend, like I'm reading this book right now that talks about, you know, the differential between the negative and the positive, okay? A positive thing that we see has far less power than than the negative thing we see by darn near five to 10, 10 times, okay? Meaning that we watch Jalen Hurts make a bad throw, we'll remember that 10 to five times more than the one good throw that he makes, okay? So I can take you back, and I can go and, go and look at his great throws, look at the, the, the plays that he made where you know, no one really made a big deal of. I think about the ball he threw to Devontae Smith in the end zone. Um, guys draped all over him, pinpoint. The only place he could put it was where he put it. That pass was 40, 50 yards down the field. I could think about you know a pass that he threaded to Dallas Goddard between two defenders. Um, in a home game last year. There are a lot of plays that I can think about, but, you know, when you're looking, when you're thinking about this situation from a uh, from a negative tilt, mm-hmm. you'll seem to forget the good throws that he made, okay? Now, every single quarterback that plays in the NFL makes some bad throws, okay? So this, this belief that he doesn't have the arm talent, that he doesn't have the the, the arm strength, in my opinion, is unfounded. You know, if you look, at, if you go back to the year that Jalen Hurts was, was drafted, out of all the quarterbacks that came out that year, there was only one quarterback drafted that year who had, stronger arm, had a stronger arm than Jalen Hurts, and that was Justin Herbert. He was the only one, the only one that threw the ball with more velocity, and the differential was, I think, the measurement. I think Justin Herbert was like 54, and Jalen Hurts was like 52, somewhere in that neighborhood. So they they're really not that far off. So when you watch Justin Herbert and you watch Jalen Hurts, you know you you would you would say to yourself, man, what a big difference between the quarterbacks. Okay, in my opinion, this is the biggest difference. You know because I've seen quarterbacks with rocket arms and I've seen quarterbacks you know with jelly arms, right. and I've seen some succeed and I've seen some not succeed. I think back about a, a guy like Jeff George. I played against Jeff George. I don't think I've ever seen a guy throw the ball with the type of velocity that he could put on it.
2: I've never seen a guy throw a ball 100 yards like that.
5: Yeah, but the, prob- the problem is, you know, he couldn't get the ball where it needed to be all the time. And then I played with guys, you know, who haven't had that, that stronger arm but was, was successful. You want to know what the difference is, in my opinion, Dan? The college game is so much different than the pro game. Okay, specifically in today's football game, because you got guys, you got these teams that run these RPOs and they run these options and and, and things like that. And when you run the ball with great efficiency, if you go all the way back to Tim Tebow, when you run the ball with great efficiency um, in these offenses, when you go play action pass, you get what you want. You get as a quarterback, you get to stand back there and say, who do I want to throw it to? Because I can guarantee you there's going to be two or three guys down the field that are wide open, short, intermediate, and deep. Okay,
2: gigantic windows.
5: Yes. So the point that I'm making is that these guys don't have to throw on rhythm and they don't have to throw with timing. The NFL game is completely different because the coverage is so good, even if you get a step on a guy, you're in a situation where if you don't let that ball go on time and with rhythm then that pass is going to be intercepted. It's going to be knocked down. And a lot of times we misconstrue that as, oh, he didn't have the arm strength. No, he didn't let it go when he should let it go. When you're doing a three-step drop and that ball's got to come out and you you got to speed out, by the time that guy plants his foot at five yards on the speed out, that ball better already be out of your hand and it better be outside where your guy can get it or it's an incomplete pass. Same thing with a five-step or a seven-step drop. If you throw the ball on time and that's what that's the difference between Justin herbert and 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 Jalen hurts right now is a clear understanding of where the ball should go and a clear understanding and trust that when I let this ball go that it's on time it's on rhythm and because it's on time and it's on rhythm guess what that guy my receiver I trust my receiver that he's gonna catch it if at 10 yards you gotta you got end route when you stem with your outside foot, then when you step at nine, that ball better be out of the quarterback's hand. Now, it takes a lot of trust and a lot of practice in order for a quarterback and a receiver to get there. My point is Jalen Hurts is learning how to do that. And when he learns how to throw the ball on time and he learns to throw the ball on rhythm, guess what? His completion percentage is going to go up and his accuracy is going to go up and we're not going to be having these conversations. Now, he's still got to go and do it. If he doesn't learn how to do it, then he's not going to be the quarterback that the Eagles need and want him to be. But if he learns how to throw the ball on rhythm, in, on time, okay, and with great anticipation, that's what all of that boils down to. Tom Brady sometimes is throwing to a spot. He's not throwing to the guy. Right. He's throwing to a spot anticipating that that guy is going to turn around. That guy is going to be there when that ball arrives. And that's what the great quarterbacks do. That's what, Seth- allows them, that's what allows them to be looked at as accurate. And that's why, you know, their completion percentage, especially in today's game, is so doggone high.
2: Seth, a couple last questions on offense before I go over to the defense here. I want to throw a number at you here. A.J. Brown, his three years at Tennessee were this. He's averaged 68 catches, 998 yards, eight touchdowns. Am I on? Un- and this is with Ryan Tannehill. And I think a little bit, maybe in his first year with Mariota. Maybe I I, I don't know if Mariota, Mariota threw to him a little bit, but not elite quarterbacks. But am I expecting these numbers to improve when he comes to Philadelphia and goes on that field in September and is up there at um, Ford Field? That these numbers are going to go to 1,400 yards? Or is his true asset going to be this, Seth? Third down catches like DeAndre Hopkins, where he's going to go yak and get you that big first down. And in the red zone, when you got jump ball, you got a beast like that. That's why his touchdown numbers are high. He's got eight. I would expect that number to improve because the red zone wasn't really a great part of the offense last year. You put a guy like that in a jump ball scenario, I'll take A.J. Brown nine times out of 10 on that. So Mm -hmm. if people are assuming 1,400 yards, He's not necessarily gonna be that. He's gonna be a red zone demon and a third down back, third down receiver, kind of like Michael Irvin was. Is that do you go down that line with him?
5: Listen, I don't even think that he has to be all of that. You know, okay. I think we're, we're I think I think we're undervaluing, you know, the true reason why the Eagles needed a AJ Brown. Okay. Listen, he's he's still young for 25. one. 25. Okay. Um, he's had some years in the league. And the Eagles needed a veteran wide receiver. Listen, there were a lot of guys that, where they picked that they could have drafted to improve the talent level on this football team. But when you look, all the young guys, all the young wide receivers on this football team, they're all second, third-year guys. So you needed a veteran presence, a guy that could teach these young guys how to be professionals. okay? Not only did, did you add to the talent pool that you already have, but now you make it much, you 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 got a wide receiver. And I think that Devontae Smith can develop into that, but he's a purely an outside guy. You don't want him going across the middle too much because of his because of his stature, even though he can do it. But when you add an AJ Brown, now look what you do. You've broadened the spectrum of talent across the board. You know what a great defensive coordinator is able to do? They're able to, what is Bell Bell, Bell Belichick, okay? If Bell Belichick is playing against the Eagles this year, what's the number one thing he's going to do? He wants to take away A.J. Brown. Okay. But if you got A.J. Brown taken away, now you got to deal with Dallas Goddard. Now you got to deal with Devontae Smith. Now you got to deal with, you know, if they can be creative enough and and, and, um, Kenny Gainwell can learn how to pick up the blitz, you know, now he can be a big factor in the passing game as far as, you know, him being in the backfield, you motioning him out, creating matchups. Okay, now you got so many weapons across the board that Bill Belichick can't zero in on just taking away AJ Brown because when Dallas Guard starts cutting you and Devontae Smith starts cutting you and um, and and Kenny Gainwell starts coming out of the backfield wreaking havoc, now you got to reconsider how you deploy your defense and who you're going to try to take away. So what AJ Brown brings is a vet, veteran presence and a heightened level of competition and a heightened level of talent at the wide receiver position, which is going to stress out defenses much more than they were last year. Listen, you got to worry about this guy, AJ Brown. Oh yeah. You you didn't have to worry about Jalen Rager last year, you know, and that's going to push everybody else. I am really interested to see when you look at this Eagles wide receiver core. I mean, I want to see, I want to be there front and center to see the level of competition. I mean, they got, like, 13, 14 wide receivers, and, like, five of them can flat-out fly, you know? I mean, so you're competing for roster spots. You're competing for um, playing time. I mean, I think we know who the starters are going to be. You know, you're probably going to get, you know, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Quez Watkins, okay? But these guys aren't going to play 100% of the time, so that means that, you know, John Hightower, probably in his last year of observation, is going to have to step up. Then you go and you bring in um, Zach Pascal, you know, who everyone's saying he's one-dimensional. He's got something to prove because, you know, the Colts were willing to depart with him. Um, you got this other guy, Deion Kane, big body that can straight out fly. Um, you got Devon, Devin Allen who could just straight fly. So you got all of these You got all of these weapons, and I'm interested, interested to see, you're only going to be able to keep, what, six or seven of them depending yep. on you know, who can play special teams and who can't, you know, and I'm sure I'm missing some guys, but what, what, what AJ Brown brings is a veteran presence to an already um, crowded wide receiver room that can teach these young guys how to play and how to be a professional. But also you're creating so much stress for these other offensive, these, uh, these other defensive coordinators and their minds and how they think about how, you, how to take away, which weapons to take away on, you know, the, the offensive side of, this, of this, this unit. And it's just going to be crazy to watch, you know, the chess match between a guy like Bill Belichick and a guy like Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen and how you deploy your pieces and who he decides to take away and how you take advantage of these matchups.
2: Last question on offense before I go over to defense, Seth. Um, who do you think benefits the most Um, from A.J. Brown being in that wide receiver group, Dallas Goddard or Devontae Smith, who do do you see really in a breakout where you go, you're going to see this guy really put up some great numbers. Look, I mean, uh, pro football focus is ranked Goddard, the fifth best tight end um, in the NFL. Um, When you look at uh, Devontae, I don't think he's going to get 1,000 yards this year. Because, again, the attempts are going to be in the targets, in my opinion, are probably going to be more towards A.J. So that doesn't mean he won't be 19 yards a catch. You know what I'm saying, Seth? Mm-hmm. 18 yards a catch. That'll be effective, too, with a great running game. But who do you think benefits the most from him being in that offensive model?
5: Well, let, 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 let me just say this. I don't believe that Devontae Smith is the type of diva that feels like, you know, No, no agreed. thousand yards. I think he's the type of guy that's only concerned with winning. And if the team is winning and his numbers aren't really where they need to be, that he's not really concerned with that. I think over time, when he gets to a point where his rookie contract is up, he may become a little more enamored with how many targets he's getting and how many yards. That's just a natural thing because the team is going to come to him and be like, well, you know, here, this is what your numbers are. This is what other guys look like. You know, they're in your class. This is what they're getting. So he's going to be concerned down the road. But I think right now, his concern is just winning football games. I think that's just the way that he's wired. Now, to answer your question about who benefits the most, I think Dallas Goddard does because you know he's going to get matchups with 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 um, with linebackers. He's going to get matchups in the middle of the field with safeties. you know safeties, and I just think that he's a coverage nightmare. I'd be yep. interested to see you know who the four. I can I I can think I can say you know. Um, who's better than Dallas Goddard, you know, Edwards, maybe but, in yeah, Baltimore, Kittle, Kelsey, right. Hey, listen, Kittle, Kelsey, um, Waller and the kid, the kid Edwards
2: and, in Baltimore and,
5: and, and Kittles. I mean, who who is Edwards? I mean, yeah, I haven't right. seen a whole lot. I haven't seen a whole lot from Edwards to say okay. that, you know, he would be better than Dallas Goddard and Dallas Goddard in my opinion is a much better tight end than some of those other guys because he's willing to block, you know, in a way that those guys aren't willing to block. He's more of a of an all around type guy.
2: He's better than Schultz in Dallas, that's for sure.
5: There's no doubt about it. I would, if I'm if I'm estimating, I'm going to say Kelsey's one um, because of injury. I'm going to I'm going to walk Kittle's back just a little bit because even when he came back last year, he wasn't you know the Kittle that we traditionally yep. know. He's been good, but I think he'll take it up another step this year. You know, coming off the injury from the year before, but Kelsey, I think Darren Wall is an absolute beast. Um, Kittle's, and then maybe, and 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 I think Dallas Goddard falls right there. And I think you know, if Kittle's doesn't get back to where he was, you know, two years ago, that you can flop him and him and, and Goddard. I think if Goddard got the kind of the kind of the kind of targets that those three receivers got that, you know, he'd be a pro bowler hands down. You know, nobody. We, we, it wouldn't even be up for debate because I think that once he gets the ball in his hands, he's a difference maker. But I think that last year, because they ran the ball so much and he threw it so little in the second half of the season, you know, he didn't get the, the type of targets that he needed. There's no reason in the world that why Dallas Garden shouldn't be getting anywhere between eight to ten targets a game. That may be impossible now that you bring in A.J. Brown, you know, and you got Devontae Smith out there and you got Quez Watkins, who the Eagles have admitted that he was underutilized last year. I don't know. Maybe the only way he gets ten targets a game is that you know what they throw it 40 times a game. And and do are we expecting for Jalen Hurts to be successful under those circumstances? I mean, only time will tell.
2: Absolutely. Mark Andrews, too, that's Baltimore there. Let me let me flip you over to um to the defensive side. Seth to me, man, I mean if I am Jonathan Gannon, you've got all these new horses in the building. You got to be in a forty-three, you've got to be in a three and a one, maybe a wide seven up front, and you got to get penetration, man. I do not want to see two gapping idiots again like I did last year, and those linebackers getting knocked off their grape lines because the D line doesn't know what they're doing because they're being asked to do stupid two gap shit where you get the linebackers killed. I mean, you've got speed, size and strength. Why sit and catch and let the linebackers move that. See, people don't realize this, right? Seth, if you're sitting here in a two gap and you're two gapping that guard in front of you, most of the time that guy's going to knock you at least a half a yard off That half a yard now is a yard and a half and that linebacker's got to go back more on a scrape lane here. You're giving up three yards of carry before the guy even hits the line of scrimmage. Then you're playing that zone coverage, which even opens it up more, man. They got to be more aggressive this year. In my opinion, and they got to attack. Do you see him changing that philosophy or is it just going to be him putting the pieces back on the chessboard? Same philosophy, just better talent.
5: It's hard for me to believe that, you know, Jonathan Gannon could probably be more than what he was last year. You know, you're, well, you're, I didn't win football. Hey, listen, your mentality, in my opinion, your mentality is your mentality, okay? And I get you're trying to win football games, but you can't protect players, you know, when you put them out there. Everybody knows he's getting a paycheck every Tuesday, just like everybody else, you know? So you, you run your defense. And you try to find out which guys can perform it, and the guys that can't perform it, you know, their asses out of there next year. You bring in guys you know who can perform it. Um, the problem is, I don't know how diverse this defense can really be. Um, Even with all those pieces, Seth. Hey, listen, come on, man. I, what what makes you think? What makes you think that he's not going to be that? What he ran last year isn't really who he is. No, he, that, that's who he is. I get it. But I'm okay. saying now
2: you've got Hassan Reddick, who you've got to do this. You can't really line that guy up in a 34 because he's going to get planted by a tackle, so you got to play him more in an outside linebacker and rush him off the edge. Okay, you can't. And on third down, what if you put a tight end on his ass? He's got to cover the tight end, or are you going to keep his hand in the dirt? I think this guy's got some chess pieces to figure out.
5: Well, that's that's my biggest concern. My concern isn't the talent. My concern is Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, and how, and how he's going to deploy all of these pieces that he has. I've said it before. You know, you can't line Hassan Reddick up in a in a, in a consistent four man front against at at six 235 pounds. Line up against you know a offensive tackle that's weighing three thirty. You can't do that on a consistent basis. I think that. Jonathan Gannon really likes to deploy a lot of five-man look. But because Javon Avery could not do all the things that he needed him to do in those situations, that brought Hassan Reddick to the fold. Okay, So I think that when you see Hassan Reddick on the, on, the, on the field, you're going to see a lot of five-man look. The problem with the five-man look is that if you play zone behind it, you know, you're going to have to – one of those guys is going to have to drop. And who, who are you going to drop? You're going to drop him? You're going to no. drop, drop him or you're going to drop BG? Now, it's not that Hassan can't do it because being in Arizona, he had to groom some linebacking skills, okay? So now he has that in his repertoire. But going to Carolina and being back with Matt Rule, who understands who and what he is, that he's more of a pass rusher, now, all of a sudden, he comes up and he, he he explodes, you know, with double-digit sacks. Can the Eagles use those sacks? Absolutely. So now you get to a point where you ask yourself, how strategically can you use a, a, a Hassan Reddick? okay? In my opinion, you got to line up in your, in your five-man front. Then you got to shift from a five-man front to a four-man front and sometimes get Hassan Redick off the ball and now send him from off the ball with games with the defensive end and with the tackle in the middle, with that three technique, okay? You got to do some of that. Now you got to get him off the ball, and sometimes you got to drop him in covers. You got to put him one-on-one and bring pressure from the other side. You got to morph your fronts. You got to morph your defenses, you know, and I haven't seen Jonathan Gannon have the propensity to do that. Until I see that, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that he will. I get the sense that we're going to see the same thing we saw last year, but you're gonna have a guy like Hassan Reddick who's much more talented and has much more ability th- than Janard Avery, to A, be able to drop into coverage without getting lost, B rush the passer because he's proven that he can do that. And then when you're in your 40, your your 40 look, you know, from time to time you can put him in defensive end in obvious pass situation. But he can't live there, you know, on first and second down. Because Trey if Trey I'm an offensive coordinator, if I'm offensive coordinator, I'm gonna, I'm, my running game is gonna be tailored right. to attack him.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I'm Trent Williams is gonna smash that guy in a ball game, and I would say this to you too, Seth. I think that's probably some of the mistakes that they make in Dallas with Micah Parsons too, dude. He, he I get it. He can cover tight ends and he can cover a back out of the backfield. That guy's true strength is his hand in the dirt. Getting around that hula hoop and getting in that backfield and creating havoc and putting pressure on the quarterback and getting that guy off his spot. So, I can't wait to see how they use this guy. I want. But to Dan, take- I'm not.
5: I'm. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not so sure that I don't agree with how Dan Quinn has used him, though, because he's used him in spots. I mean, he's used him all over the place. You know. Yeah. I like two-
2: them moving him around, Seth.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. That. That's my point. When you have a guy that has that kind of skill set. Yeah. you as a defensive coordinator you need to, like you need to get on your whiteboard in the offseason and try to figure out how many different ways can I deploy this guy now a lot of times what happens is a guy may have that that kind of skill set but he doesn't have the intellect to be able to decipher all that information. that guy's got to understand and figure okay when I'm when my hands in the dirt this is my responsibility. when I'm off the ball, this is my responsibility. when they line me up as Sam linebacker over here on the tight end, this is my responsibility. Not every NFL player who has the kind of skill set like Michael Parson has the intelligence to be able to 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 learn and understand what you're supposed to do in five or six different positions. Absolutely. Um TJ Edwards, let me take it to the linebacker here.
2: You know, I don't I don't know about you. I'm rooting for the kid. Got a contract extension in. Uh, the 2021 season, I, I, I'm rooting for him. And if I'm him, I feel probably a little motivated because of all the hype that N'Kobe Dean is getting. I don't know, Seth. I mean, I mean, Nicobe Dean, we'll find out how many people were right or wrong about him and where he went in the third round. By the way, the third round's not a bad pick, it's a great premium pick. It's the most did you and people don't realize this? The third round is the most productive round in draft history. So just so people know that it's not the first round, it's the third round. Montana's out of that round. A lot of folks. So, but TJ Edwards, do you think the Kobe Dean sits on the bench for the first half of the season? Do you think he ends up beating him out? Or do you think Edwards with all of his knowledge, because Seth, that defense turned around when he started balling out. I mean, he was filling the gap. He was making tackles and he rallied that linebacker group. I'm not saying he's the most gifted guy but he was kind of an inspirational guy in there with his play.
5: It'll be interesting to watch because it's situations like this where you're challenged is where you really find out what a guy is made of, okay? So the Eagles know that they needed an upgrade at the linebacker position, and my goodness, have they have they got it in a major way? Not only the drafting of the Kobe Dean, but also the signing of Kazir White. Yeah. So now you've got talent galore at the linebacker position. Um, I think that I still believe that Davion Taylor can be effective. That kid can figure out how to get healthy and stay healthy for, for a full season. I believe that he might be the most talented guy that they have from a, from a, from a sheer ability standpoint because the guy can flat out run. He's a hitter. He's just got to learn how to stay healthy and digest this defense. You know where he can get out there and be the best that he can be. But I like the fact that you've created the ultimate level of competition at the linebacker position. Now, listen, the Kobe Dean's got to come in and learn this defense. He's got to come in and learn what the speed of the game looks and feels like. He's got to learn how. To, because he's not going to be in a situation where you play in front of a defensive line that keeps you clean and just lets you run to the ball like he did at Georgia. He's going to have to learn how to deal with offensive linemen, tight ends, blocking down on him, all of those different things. He's going to see a whole lot of different things on this level that he didn't see on the collegiate level and how he adjusts to that. If T.J. Edwards is half of what we believe him to be, And he's going to accept the challenge and continue to get better because it's going to be another year in this defense. So he has that as an advantage over the Kobe Dean. The biggest difference I see between the two is speed and, and, and how you play in the passing game. The Kobe Dean is a guy, you know, who seems to me to be highly intelligent, understands and knows how to route read, and understands, you know, how teams try to attack Georgia from a passing standpoint. He was always where he needed to be and made plays in the passing game. I think that TJ Edwards is a passing game liability. I hmm. listen, if I was if I was an offensive coordinator, I would game plan that kid, you know, whenever I could. If there's a passing situation, I'm trying to figure out the Eagles, you know, their their defensive passing schemes where I can figure out how I can get that guy isolated on a wide receiver or a fast back coming out of the backfield. Um, because he's proven time and time again that listen, he's a good player. He's good against the run, very smart, but he just doesn't have the physical skills to be a a, a major player in the passing game. I think that's why they signed Kazir White because that's his specialty. That's his special his specialty rather a guy who's been you know transformed from a safety over to linebacker. They can run with running backs out of the backfield. They can cover tight ends. This very good in coverage. You know, you go back and you look at his stats; they were really good. When you look at um, Staley and his comments about losing him, you know, in free agency, he wasn't very happy about it. He talked about, you know, what a difference maker this kid could be. But I'm looking at all the all the pieces that they have at linebacker. I don't think that this is going to be a year unless unless these guys aren't getting the coaching that they need. I don't think that the linebackers should be. You know, a weak link on this football team this year because with all the competition, the cream's got to rise to the top. Who wants to start? Who wants playing time? And that's that's really what's going to come down to as you watch this defense. You know, at that position throughout training camp.
2: Couple last questions for you here, Seth. Um, you know, here Hassan Reddick, White, Jacoby Dean, a corner, a safety you got a lot of different faces now in that huddle now. And you know this when you're a free agent and John Lynch told me this, when you're a free agent or you're a guy that comes into a new building, he said to me, when he went from Tampa Bay to Denver, his first year, he was always trying to learn what the scheme was. And he always felt like he was a step behind Mm -hmm. because he wasn't really understanding until his second year in Denver on what they were asking him to do. And all of a sudden, he caught up with everybody because you're constantly, man, I tell people this it's like learning Chinese versus Portuguese. When you go from one system to another, it's like learning a foreign language. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they've got different terminologies. What you think is a shade three is something completely different to this coach. How much does that concern you with all these new faces in that defensive huddle? Especially with what we're talking about with Gannon. And him putting these pieces. Hey, Seth, he could tell you one thing. I want you to line up in a three technique, and I want you to get outside and keep contained and make sure that you uh, keep the edges safe. And you're like, okay, um, okay. well, what's the technique you want? I mean, a lot of that goes into coaching too, right? It, it's, a, it's a lot to ask of a lot of new guys.
5: Well, it's, it's communication. Um, you, you Certainly, you've had OTAs. You'll have training camp. You have three preseason games You know to kind of work through all of that all of that terminology. I agree. It's different. Even, even, you know, you talk about people always, we've assigned numbers to, you know, these, these formations now, you know, 12, personnel, 21 personnel that allows us as, you know, the talking heads to be able to identify the personnel that's on the field. That doesn't mean that, you know, every defensive coordinator looks at it that way. Like, you know, 12 personnel was Jayhawk personnel. You know, when I played for buddy Ryan, you know, um, so it's all different terminology and how you how you decipher it. I'm pretty sure Kirby Smart's terminology was different, you know, for N'Kobe Dean than what it's going to be here. It's how do you quickly translate, you know, th- that same information but with a different name. Um, the other thing is, too, you know, when you look at these veterans, is you know, you, you're going into somebody else's backyard. I can remember when I left Philadelphia and went to Arizona, um, listen, I, I was one of the leaders on that defense. You know, all of a sudden you walk into somebody else's locker room, and even though, you know, you're one of the highest paid guys on the defensive side of the ball, you still have to have some level of respect for those guys who have been there. Yeah, and but you Seth, you to-
2: carried equity from what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: you, yeah you do. But you got to come in and you got to kind of You got to feel the locker room out. You got to feel that side of the ball out because that side of the ball, listen, you've got your alphas no matter where you go whether that team is a good team or a bad team, you got your alphas, you know, and your betas are following those alphas, if you will. So if you're an alpha and you're stepping into somebody else's backyard, you got to, you know, it's like, you know, it's like two, you know, two male lions, you know, trying to make sure, you know, that they establish who's in, who's in charge who's in charge of that territory. You know, if they're smart, they'll be like, okay, you know, we'll share the dominance here, and we'll share everything that goes along with it. But sometimes, you know, Eagles Eagles are, you know, within the the framework of playing the game of football, Eagles are a big deal, you know, underlying in a a lot of ways. If you don't have a big Eagle, if you don't think you're the best thing since sliced bread, if you're not bordering on the, you know, and I'm not talking about outwardly, you know, I'm talking about inwardly. If you're not walking walking that edge of self-conceit, it's almost impossible for you to be a dominant force in the game of football now again you don't have to you don't have to exert that outwardly you don't have to be an a-hole but inside you better be thinking that there ain't nothing like me there ain't nobody can stop me bring it because if your mentality isn't like that you're playing against alphas on the other side of the ball and on other teams that are wired that way psychologically and mentally and they will eat you up like good cake on 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 your birthday.
2: Seth, don't you agree, though, it's because you lived your life with a sense of urgency when you played the game. It was – everything was this, today, now, what Mm -hmm. we're doing, what we're going to play against. The Lions say that's your first game. That's a sense of urgency. And when you've got so many new faces and then the coaches that you're just – I just wonder with Gannon. I mean, I I, I don't see talent with him. I just – and he's got the ability – And if you're a young player like the Kobe Dean, I think that makes it harder for him to establish himself when the defensive coordinator is still trying to establish himself. I mean, how can you how can you create leaders when your defensive coordinator you're not sure is a leader of your group?
5: Well, listen, that's the that's you got to win in spite of him. Well, but that's the catch twenty two when you hire young coaches the way that you know. Jeffrey Lurie and Harry Roseman decided to go about this. Okay. You know, I, I said last year, you've got a quarterback that's learning. You got a rookie wide receiver that's learning. And you got all of these veterans that are learning a new offense. And guess what? You got a head coach who's learning how to be a head coach for the first time. He's been a defensive coordinator before, but guess what? He's trying to figure out how to manage being a head coach, being over everything and calling plays at the same time. Okay. So then we fast forward and we find out that by the time they got to week eight, you know, he had turned over some of those duties to Shane Steichen to start calling calling the offensive plays. Now we step into, you know, the 2022 offseason and it comes out that guess who's going to be calling plays moving forward? Shane Steichen. So that Nick Sirianni can be more of an overall head coach and be everything to all three phases rather than just being locked in on the one So you like that move? Oh, I love that move, and, and I know a lot of people don't. B- because listen, Nick Sirianni is not going to walk away from totally what's going on the on the offensive side of the ball. Like if I was a head coach of the, of the Philadelphia Eagles, um, I would hire a proven offensive coordinator so that he can run the offense. Hey, you go running when the crucial decisions need to be made. I'm on the headset. I'll chime in. But guess what I'm doing? I'm giving my guy over here on the defensive side of the ball as much help as I can so we can be dominant over here while I got the more experienced guy over here to actually run the offensive side of the football, okay? So Nick Sirianni has got, you know, Shane Steichen, who's never really been an offensive coordinator before. He's got um, Jonathan Gannon, who was only an offensive coordinator for the first time making calls last year. So you have all these young guys that are learning how to, how to thrive in their positions, along with the players that were learning. So not only were the players learning the offense and the defense and the special team scheme, but you had the head coach learning how to be a head coach for the first time. You had the the special teams coordinator learning how to be a special teams coordinator for the first time. And the defensive coordinator learning how to be a defensive coordinator and call plays for the first time ever. Okay? So now you throw all of that into the mix, and you wonder why the team struggled the way that it did year one. It should be better this year, but they're still learning, Dan. They're still going to be learning this year how to be the best head coach that he can be the best offensive coordinator that he can be and how to be much more efficient as a defense coordinator with an uptick in talent given to him by Harry Roseman this year.
2: I, I just don't like training wheel coaches that this is the NFL, dude. This isn't like the Canadian football league or, you know, the arena league. This is you're supposed to be ready to rock and you're supposed to have command of a room. And all that stuff. I mean, I just don't like a training wheels quarterback, a training wheels head coach, a training wheels defensive coordinator. And then you're telling me you're going to develop that team, and you fire Doug Peterson? All right, man. Let's see it work out. I just Damn, this
5: is this this is the new NFL. Okay? I You know, you're right. Sean McVay has flipped things on it on 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 his neck because you had this young thirty something year old head coach. Who is supposed to be this offensive guru? Okay, you give him the job, you know, with 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 not a whole lot of provability. But guess what? You know, in his second year, he takes the team to the Super Bowl and loses. Okay, figures out that the that that his quarterback ain't the guy. Makes the move to get the guy, and then goes back and wins it. Okay, so what has he done at thirty something years old? Every every organization. In the league now is looking for that thirty-something-year-old boy genius that can come in, you know, and 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 turn football into something that it hasn't always been. Which is a bunch of BS because I give Sha- I give Sean um, Char- McVay a lot of credit. You know, he's a good head coach. He's a good play caller, but he ain't calling anything that wasn't called back in my day. Football hasn't evolved that much. But then you look at the Arizona Cardinals. They go and they bring in Cliff Kingsbury. Why? because he's supposed to be the next boy wonder offensively that can come in and get it done. A guy who at Texas tech never, ever had a winning season, you know, and you bring him here and you know, what, what, what has the, where has the, uh, the, the Arizona Cardinals got? Yeah. Yeah. They got to the playoffs last year, but after going nine and zero, they pretty much, you know, shit the bed the rest of the way. Okay. And every organization now is looking for that young guy that is relatable to, you know, this new age, Player, these young players that has emotional intelligence that can connect with these players. Listen, I don't think it's it's rocket science. <laughs> At 57, if I was a head coach or if I was a defensive coordinator, you think I couldn't connect with my players? Oh Hell yeah, I could connect with them. You want to know why? Because You're walking in the room doing thing. it, Seth. I'm gonna I'm gonna look my guys in the eye and I'm gonna ask him, how great do you want to be? Okay. And if you can tell me how great you want to be and what you're willing to sacrifice, then I got all of this knowledge and all of this experience, and I will pour it into you on a continuous basis. And you know what? If I show them that I can make them great, or if I'm a head coach and I show them that that I can be their Moses and take them to the promised land, I don't care if you're 70. Those guys are going to follow you. So this whole nonsense about young guys being the way to go in the NFL is a bunch of BS because it all comes down to can you prove to me that you care about me as a player that's the first thing do you can you show me that you care enough that you'll do whatever is necessary to connect with me you know can you be a coach a mentor a friend a father figure sometimes cuz some of these guys come in and they come from homes where they haven't had the male figure can you be all of those things to me you know if i need that And as a head coach, can you decipher it? Can I look at a guy and and get to know that guy enough to understand what he needs and be smart enough to give him what he needs to be successful? And can you show me that you can raise my level as a player, Can you can raise our level as an organization, as a team, and you can take me to the promised land and give me an opportunity to get me a Vince Lombardi trophy? If you can do those things, I don't care if you're 37 or you're 77, players will follow you.
2: Trust, man. All of that is wrapped around trust. Finally here, Seth, I mean, and you know what? You're, you're going to tell me it's the modern day NFL again. All these things we talked about. And then I see six days left on the OTAs where you're not, you know, using quality reps. They're going to use more of the uh, controlled scrimmages instead of playing guys during the exhibition season. And I'll tell you what Phil Sims said about that to me. He goes, look, exhibition football, you're right sucks however those are more quality reps than what you get inside of a quality controlled scrimmage which say the patriots or the jets or someone else those reps for linebackers defensive ends quarterbacks receivers getting off the ball are a higher tone of rep because you're in a game situation and for them not to be doing that And I get this. They want to be healthy. I understand that. The year they won the Super Bowl, they were a mash unit. Last year, they got bounced in the opening round against the Bucs. I mean, where do you sit on this here? Because, again, you and me, we went to camp two-a-days for three months. Okay, I mean, we're out there three-a-days, two-a-days. We're there three months. Guys can get in shape. I understand it's not that game any longer. But it kind of concerns me that this is one of the reasons we talked about sense of urgency and practicing game tempo. How can you practice game tempo when you're not practicing?
5: Because I think you have an era of head coaches and defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators and GMs that really don't understand the speed of the game and how much it really changes from phase to phase. Like, you're in OTAs, you got one phase. By the time you get to the end of OTAs, it's it's sped up. Then you transition from OTAs into training camp, and the intensity level goes up about 10%. Because guys, hey, are trying Seth, to make let me stop game.
2: you, Seth. Let me stop you for a second. When I my I went from college to pro and I got into my first game against the Bears in 87, I looked up, it was 11 plays. I looked up, it was 22 plays. I went, Holy shit, <laughs> I could not believe the speed of the plays and yeah. It's a challenge, man. I mean, yeah. it's a real thing.
5: Yeah, but you're talking about you're talking about the ultimate transition. I'm talking about the gradual transition, especially for the young guys, because they don't understand it. The veterans get it. The young guys, they don't. You know, it's almost a walkthrough in OTAs at the beginning. By the time you get to the end, it's sped up. By the time you get to training camp, you know, there's probably a you know 10% uptick in 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 the speed of the game because you got 90 guys in training camp, and you can only keep 53. So guys are truly competing. They should be going balls to the wall all out, trying to show the coaches that they deserve one of those 53 spots. Then you go from training camp into the preseason game. And even though now the starters aren't even playing in the preseason, very few, which I think is a major mistake, I think that every starter should get you know, anywhere between a half to you know, three quarters of football in in, in those three games, um, just to prepare for the next uptick, because by the time you go from from preseason into regular season, the intensity level is going to jump another twenty percent, just on dr- adrenaline. I mean, you know what it's like on, on on the first day, first game. I mean, you step out there on the field and you're doing everything you can to keep your emotions in check. Hyperventilating. Yeah, and, and you're trying to keep your adrenaline levels down so that you don't get to a place that by the time you get through warm-ups, that you've already shot your wide and you ain't got nothing left. Okay. Hey and Seth,
2: this, don't do that in Denver, right? <laughs>
5: especially in Denver. I mean, I play this, I know. So then you turn around, you turn around and you, you know, you, you go from the regular season and then you jump over into the playoffs, which is another uptick. And if you're fortunate enough to actually get to the Super Bowl, oh, that's a whole nother level. I mean, you're hyperventilating on the bus on the way to the stadium. You know, <laughs> so I'm telling you right now, you've got you've got coaches. You know, some of these coaches have never even played in the NFL, never even played. You know, collegiate ball at the highest level. You know, and you got some GMs. You know, who are making decisions. It's the same deal. You know. I always say in order to be an effective football player, you got to practice football and you got to practice it at such a speed because I don't care how much you train and I don't care how hard you practice. You can never, ever, ever, ever duplicate the level of intensity and the speed of the game on Sunday. So the reason why you practice as hard as you can and as fast as you can in, in practice is because you're trying to get as close to that as you possibly can. Because it's darn near impossible to ever reach that. And this is the thing that I don't think head coaches, position coaches, offensive, defensive coordinators, GMs, and even owners to a certain extent even understand that injuries are a part of the game and you can't do a damn thing about it. You know, If you try to protect the guy throughout preseason and he goes into the first game of the season, the first series, and he gets a soft t- tissue injury – Guess what? You contributed to that because you held him from being able to galvanize and callous his body in training camp enough so that when he got hit during that first game, that it was just a little nick and it's not something that bothers him. Guess what? Now he's on the show for three weeks and he's got to come back in three weeks and go through that process all over again. I just don't understand. It It makes no sense to me whatsoever.
2: I'm going to leave you with this. Um, So, Wilbur Marshall, I had a conversation with him the other day, and I go, you know, I'm becoming boys with Seth. He goes, only guy that was as good as me during our time. I went, what? He goes, <laughs> the only guy, man, that could knock the shit out of people like me was Seth Joyner, man. You make sure you tell him I said that. I'm a big Wilbur Marshall fan, man, and he that was some compliment, man, because hey, he's hey, a man, hitter.
5: I got a chance to play with that dude, you know, and when I was here in Arizona, buddy brought him in for a year, man. I absolutely love Wilbur Marshall, man. You know, it, it, everybody always tried to make the comparison between you know the 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 Bears defense and the Eagles defense, you know, and you know people. I tried thought you to,
2: guys were completely different groups.
5: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But listen, Wilbur's older than me, so I yeah. got a chance to watch him play as I was coming up. You know, I love that dude. You talking about the, the, a natural born killer? I mean, there's <laughs> there's there, there's none like him. And he's another guy why I don't understand, you know, people don't talk about in terms of, you know, uh, Hall of Fame and things like that. I mean, he was one of the first guys that was just, you know, three down player, could rush the pass, it could cover backs and tight ends out of the backfield, could, you know, fit gaps and play the run and Andrew. was just nasty, man. He didn't try to hit you. He tried to hurt you, man. Hey,
2: hey, Seth, I got to tell you this story, man, before you go here. So, smith, we're playing against the Gators and – he hits Alonzo so freaking hard, knocks his helmet off his head, chin straps everywhere, and he le- re- leans over and highsmith walks over to the side and then I go, Hey man, what Wilbur tell you? He goes, He told me he was gonna kill me the next time. And I went like this to him. I go, What would you say back to him? He goes, I told him I believed him.
5: <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Wilbur. I mean, listen, that that was that was an era of football, you know, when intimidation was a big part of the game.
2: Well, that was a know? big part of your
5: defense. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was, intimidating. you think that
2: defense could play in today's NFL?
5: No, no, because you know, listen, Andre Waters. <laughs> the, 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 the problem, the problem with football now is that it's offense centric in such a major way. You know, I, I had no problem with them making adjustments to the game, you know, to up, to bring in, bring about the uptick of offense in the game, because there was a point in time in the late eighties, early nineties, where the defense just dominated. You know, and you had these, you know, ten to thirteen games and fourteen to you know ten games, and it just wasn't exciting. So I can understand that, but you've gone so far to the to the left in trying to figure out how you you know make the game you know more offensive centric that you've taken you know the ability of defenses to be what they were out of the equation. You know, listen, there was a time where you could intimidate a guy. Like, you go back to that Monday night game where we played against um, the, the Houston Oilers on Monday night. Wes Hawkins, you know, hits Ernest Gibbons, you know, with a forearm and breaks his nose, and Ernest Gibbons comes out with two with two gauzes sticking out of his nose. I when
2: saw
5: it out, on film. I'm watching. <laughs> Listen, after, after that hit, there wasn't a Houston Oilers wide receiver that wanted to run across the middle. We just, we made, we relegated them to a running team and a team that would only throw the ball outside the numbers because they didn't want to run. Those wide receivers would not run routes across the middle because they were scared that Wes Hopkins was going to knock them out or Andre Waters was going to bloody their mouth. Now, so you take that out of the game, and now what do you got? You got these diva wide receivers, this chicken strutting across the field, you know, not worrying about being – not worrying about having their head taken off because guess what? If they can't see you and you take them out, it's a 15-yard penalty and your ass is going to get fined on Wednesday.
2: Hey, that's why – I say this to people. That's why they chirp more now is because guys like Seth Joyner who were patrolling that middle, you kept your faces shut – Dude, Jerry Rice and I, even Andre Rison, none of those guys bark going across the middle. Hey, and Andre Rison would be a horror show today in today's NFL. He'd be barking all over you.
5: I can remember I almost knocked myself out one game. We were playing against the Cowboys, and Michael Irvin was a big talker. And he ran a route early in the game. He came across and said, "Yeah, I watched you on film. You was running your damn mouth last week." I said, you bring- <laughs> I said, "I said, I said, I said, you bring your ass across here." I'm gonna put you to sleep, so he catches he catches a slant and I see it, and man, I'm coming a hundred miles an hour and I'm telling you right now he crawled under the carpet at the vet and I and I was like misling I was trying to get him, and I went over top of him and bumped my head on the ground and I scarred my helmet up and man, I saw stars and birds was chirping and everything. I mean, I had to come out of the game, man, I was trying to take him out so bad, but I mean that style of football. You know, is is over. We're not. So wait see, a minute, I, Seth,
2: You'd be Monte Perfect, uh in today's game, right? Is that what?
5: Yeah, it <laughs> I mean, listen. It's not that that guy couldn't play it. To no, I think he was career. a good player. Yeah, I mean, and, and and towards, I'm just saying, towards the end of his career, it wasn't that he couldn't continue to play. He couldn't play under the auspices yeah. of the new rules. Yeah. I mean, even when he went went to the Raiders, you know, Gruden brings him in. And he knocks somebody out and gets fined and suspended. Thank you. Just, he can't play in today's game. So yeah. when you talk about guys from our era having to play in today's game, absolutely. And guys from today's era couldn't play in our era either because guess what? You know, coaches would look like, man, you going to hit somebody or you just going to run around out here looking acting like a pussy? If you ain't going to hit somebody, we're going to have to get you out of here and bring somebody else in because that's the way they would be viewed in our age of football if they didn't want to hit.
2: That's exactly right. Hey, Seth, I am so proud to be playing with you now. And welcome aboard, dude. I mean, your analysis is as good as ever. And I'll tell you what, your leadership, I see why that Eagle team, was just an absolutely terror show when I, you guys were on defense there man I'm proud to be your friend thank you so much for doing this and spending so much time with me as you always
3: say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card
4: which is music to his ears. Call click or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: Do and welcome aboard. Thank you so much,
5: Seth. You got it, man. Look forward to it. You got
2: it. Seth Joyner, the great Seth Joyner joining Jacob sports. Don't forget on our post game show too. really appreciate him spending a lot of time with me. Don't forget our friends at Morgan and Morgan where the fee is free. Folks, if you're hurt or injured on the job, one of the most important things that you could possibly do for your family is finding that attorney that is right for you. You got it. For the people is not a slogan. It is who they are. For the past 30 years, Morgan & Morgan has done this. They've collected over $13.5 billion worth of compensation for their clients. 800 attorneys strong in offices in Philly, New York, and in Florida. They always say this to you. There's no such thing as a fender bender with Morgan & Morgan. Call them. 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. The call is free. The consultation's free. 800-512-1600. Open 24-7, seven days a week. And when you call Morgan & Morgan, you tell them Big Sill sent you.
6: Many times when people are injured at a place of business, they don't realize they may have a case. The fact is injuries should not happen. And most of the time when someone is injured, someone is at fault. Maybe the store manager installed a cheap and slippery floor or there wasn't proper security. After an injury at a hotel, restaurant, store, or any place of business, it's so important to call us. Time matters, size matters. Morgan & Morgan
3: for the people. at theoceanac.com.
4: At Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News.
2: Welcome back. National Football Show. It's your boy, Big Sills. Appreciate everybody coming aboard. Please hit the like button. Thank you so much. And again, awesome hearing from our friend. By the way, I just got a great text from Seth. Uh, Xander, you're going to love this. Seth goes Sills. When the season starts, I know that we're doing the um, the post game. He goes, if you want me to come on once a week for you, I will. Same way Gary Cobb does. And I said, you're welcomed. And so that just shows you the kind of stuff that we've been creating. And we really appreciate everybody and what you guys have done here. I'm going to get into the week five opponent here, the Arizona Cardinals, as we go through the upcoming 2022 legal schedule here. I'll get to you here in a second on that. But I also want to throw this out. It's before I move on here, Southeastern Conference Media Day is going on. And do you guys want to know what hypocrisy is? I got a coach in Kirby Smart doing this right now. Well, I think the nil rule now in college football is going to be awful bad for people and for other people. That dude makes $7 million a year. And you've been holding these kids hostage now, and the kids are getting money for it, and these coaches are getting their panties in a bind here a little bit. Hey, man, places like Miami, Southern Cal, schools in Texas – going to start out recruiting your asses because they got donors. And some of these coaches don't like the fact that guy makes $7 million a year. Saban makes $11 million. And when a coach like Brian Kelly wants to leave Notre Dame, you know what he does? See you guys. I'm taking $9.5 million at LSU. Don't talk about hypocrisy to me, dog. You've been stealing and the NFL has been using college football as a minor league proving grounds for over 100 years. Can you imagine if baseball had the same setup that college football has with the NFL? Think about what they don't. They don't have A-ball, double-A, triple-A, all that money that those organizations just pile into development for their minor league system. The Orioles or the Phillies and who they have to grow and who they have to nurture. Can you imagine not having to pay anything for minor league talent? Then you just draft it. NFL's got a gold mine. You got these coaches belly aching. Shut up. Okay, shut up, guy. $7 million a year. You made $2 million for winning the national title. These guys kill me, man. They've been robbing kids for over 100 years. And now all of a sudden we're sitting here going, you know, they got the new rules wrong. Whatever, dude. By the way, my NFL playoff teams. So I'm going to get to that here in a minute. Cardinals are the next team up. By the way, any comments that you had about Seth Joyner and what he was talking about, he thinks Jalen Hurts is going to put up some pretty good numbers this year. I don't. Okay? I don't. I think you're going to see Jalen beat Jalen Hurts. I really don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be a 4000-yard passer ever in his career. That doesn't necessarily mean like I said before though that he's not going to win ball games. He is going to win ball games. He won them last year. However, wake me up when Jalen wins against a team that matters. A winning team. Okay? And not just the Saints in his first year. Okay, wake me up. Seth Rowe, C9, for eight days now. Been so ready to get back to my show. Doing big things here, big guy. Keep up the hard work. God bless. Go Birds. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys so much. You guys are just growing our show each and every single day. I can't thank you enough. I really can't. I can't wait to see this Eagle season this year. I can't wait to see the NFL. There's so many great storylines. Let's talk about these Cardinals. That's going to be the week five opponent. I believe that's in Glendale. Look, last year, the Arizona Cardinals got out to a 7-0 start. You were like this. This team looks like the best team in the National Football League. And by the end of the year, it was embarrassing, that playoff game against the Rams. I thought Kyler Murray took a dive, and I thought he made business decisions because he knows he has this contract coming up and they're talking about it right now as they're getting ready for training camp. And I was like this, dude, business decisions. And you're putting that ahead of your football team. What'd they finish up four and seven, seven and zero start four and seven with the playoffs. They looked awful. And Cliff Kingsbury, in my opinion, the head coach, bro, you got to prove to me that you're not a fader. And what I mean by Fader is this. How many times do we watch that football team under his reign the last two years in the months of December and November and you start watching these guys putt to the finish line? Bro, you got to be better than that. The great teams, you know what they do? They get better as the playoff season starts to come around. How many times you watch great football teams, you're like, dude, that team right there, man, they're hitting on all cylinders. They look great. The teams that fa- that team faded. Kyler Murray made business decisions. I question his ability to be a leader. I think the football team's a nine-win team. I'll bury the lead for you before I get to the end of this. I think they're nine wins. I don't think they're special. I think they lost Chandler Jones and some pieces on defense that I that I question. DeAndre Hopkins now is out for six games because of PDS. He's going to miss the Eagle game, which is a benefit. One of the reasons they got Hollywood Brown from Baltimore, they brought his ass in. I don't know. I think Hollywood Brown's okay. I wouldn't go like this, man, at Hollywood Brown, man. That's a guy you got to make sure you got your number one dude on. I got a line Darius Slay up on this guy. That's not somebody I look at and go, yeah, you know what? That guy frightens me. Now, Zach Kurtz. And Kyler Murray, okay, hey, Kyler Murray was not the same quarterback without DeAndre Hopkins on that field. He was not. That running game has to keep going to keep Kyler Murray in play action. I think Cliff Kingsbury's an okay coach. Watch this. Would I take Cliff Kingsbury or would I take Nick Sirianni? I would probably take Sirianni because I really loved what Sirianni did at two and five. He put his offensive firepower, or at least wanting to throw the ball in his back pocket and said, we got to run this thing. We got to run it. If we're going to win, we got to run it. We can't throw it. Like I said in hour one, that Atlanta game a year ago was fool's gold. Because when he started playing to get some good teams, he got waxed. D-hop's not hurt, brother. He's suspended. Okay? I would take Nick over Cliff Kingsbury. The whole Cliff Kingsbury hiring, too, right? Dude sucked out loud at Texas Tech. Then he gets the OC job for a week at USC. And all of a sudden, Steve kind, the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, hires the guy, and you're like, okay, how? How did he get that gig? Because he worked with Patrick Mahomes, I guess. Then again, that's how Andy Reid got the job in Philly because he worked with Favre and Holmgren in Green Bay. Sometimes that same chemistry doesn't work when you're looking for a great coach. That's what's always happened at Southern Cal. They've always looked for the next Pete Carroll. Don't look for that guy. You'll never find him. Many coaches are one-ofs. There's one Andy Reid. There's one Bill Belichick. When organizations hire a Bill Belichick coach, you wonder why they bomb? Cuz you're looking for the next Belichick. You know the only coach ever to have success out of the Belichick tree is the guy who's the OC with the Bama Crimson Tide, Bill O'Brien. The rest of them have sucked. Hey, look at the Jimmy Johnson tree. Dave wants that? My friend, who's been on the program a ton of times, Some success with the Dolphins. Chicago wasn't. Pitt, kind of, was a really good recruiter. Butch Davis in Cleveland, not so. Butch in college, okay. Look at all the coaches that coached under Jimmy. I mean, right? You're looking for the next Jimmy Johnson. You ain't finding it. That's why what Howie Roseman did, and again, it sounds like I'm giving Howie love here. I am. He didn't try to hire the next Doug Peterson. He tried to hire the next type of coach like Sean McVay. Sean McVay's 36 years old. He's been to two Super Bowls and won one. Two NFC championships. There's dudes on that football team that are older than the head coach. Somehow he makes it work. You know why? They win. It's culture. It's a culture of winning. Dude, winning erases every doubt that you could possibly have in any business. Winning, producing. When you have that dynamic in your building, you can't lose. You can't. McVeigh is also one of those one (laughs) ofs. Isn't it funny? You're starting to see a lot of people hired from the McVay tree now. Guy in um, Minnesota, Miami. You're starting to see some of that now, right? You know who recommended Sean McVeigh to Stan Kroenke and Les Need and Kevin Demoff? John Gruden. John Gruden and Bruce Allen recommended Sean McVay. They initially, because when they were moving the team from St. Louis, wanted gruden to coach the rams he didn't want to leave the monday night booth yet he didn't want to leave it why did that relationship he was a ball boy for the bucks i was there in tampa he was a ball boy he's john mcveigh's grandson you know who john mcveigh is john mcveigh built the niner dynasty with eddie DeBartolo and bill walsh he was the guy It was a carbon policy. So this guy grew up around great minds. Imagine growing up around John McKay. You're growing up around Bill Walsh, DeBartolo, and you're watching that whole dynamic as a young kid, and then you're around Gruden. Then he goes to Washington. You know, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay were on John Gruden, Jay Gruden's staff. Talk about a guy who could spot talent as a coordinator. Those two dudes. Seth goes, Joe McVay? I didn't say Joe McVay. I said John McVay built the 49er dynasty with Ed Bartolo. It wasn't carbon policy. That's a misnomer. He came later. Okay. You notice why when he went to Cleveland, he bombed? Okay? He, he bombed. Couldn't build a team. They were living off what they did with John McVay and Bill Walsh. You ever notice why when Seaford left the 49ers and went to Carolina, this guy sucked out loud? What, did he win one game there when he got there? <laughs> right? So, look, do I think that the Eagles – now that I'm looking at the Cardinals, I'm not so enamored with them. I'm not that enamored with them. Okay? I'm the, You know what? I'll tell you this. Here's something to think about. Something to think about. Who do you trust going into a football game for 60 minutes? Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray? Knowing full well Kyler Murray's more talented than Jalen. He is. He's more talented. He's a better player. But why do I feel better about Jalen? Okay. Jalen wants to win. Kyler Murray wants to get paid. Nothing against getting paid. Nothing. But what I saw last year against the Rams when that guy's making business decisions and I'm on that football field and I'm in that freaking huddle and I got incentives riding on this game too like you two, dude and you're taking money out of my pocket because you're making a business decision. That's not somebody I want to block for or play for or play with. I've got a problem with you. You and I don't see eye to eye because when you play pro ball or you play any competitive sport, that's a physical sport like this, you got to be willing to walk to hell. You got to be able to walk through hell. And willing to walk through hell to win a game. Okay. It's not about kissing cheerleaders and cashing paychecks like everyone thinks it is. Monday through Saturday sucks. Some of you go, well, you know, hey, (laughs) okay, whatever. I've been through it. Not at the level of Seth Joyner, but I've been through it. Let me tell you something you got to learn to walk through hell. Okay, family sacrifice, loves that you have, injuries means nothing in the grand scheme of things, zero. There's a sacrifice that you're going to place parts of your body all over the country. It's not dramatic, it's real. And it's the mental part. got your front office trying to draft a guy ahead of you or there's a guy behind you who's cheaper that's that's like my the radio business if i can get a guy cheaper kind of same numbers i'll take them and then you then you sacrifice quality that's why the big time programs in college and in the nfl they know what they're doing they're constantly hiring talent you know i say this to you all the time you can have the most talented people in the room and you could have the most talented horses in your stable. But if you don't have the one jockey to take those horses around the track, they're useless. That's why leadership matters. Having a right quarterback, Kyler Murray, I don't know. The thing that keeps Jalen Hurts in our conversations every day is his intangibles. Okay. So, Sills, what made you turn the corner? I'm not turning any corner on Hurts. I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I have not turned any corner. I'm talking about him versus, watch this, him versus Kyler Murray? I don't know. I feel better with Jalen. Him versus Josh Allen? Don't even bring that stupid question up to me. Him versus Joe Burrow? Not a question. In some aspects, him versus Dak? Not close. Still turning a corner. I like that guy more than I like that guy. It's a preference. You see, what you guys like to do with our mainstream media does is if you do one thing, you get categorized. I don't categorize this stuff. I'll take one game at a time. 60 minutes of ball, one quarter at a time. You guys, look at it wrong. See how Seth and I were talking? Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator. I don't think that guy's talented at all. And I don't care if you give him the 85 Bears or the, what's the better one? The 92 gang green? If you gave him the 92 gang green with Jerome and Seth and Reggie, I still don't think he could put that thing together. When you're a coordinator you're like a mathematician and you got to figure out how you're going to put the rubik's cube together you got to figure it out how do i make this work you can have all the pieces on the planet and if you can't put those pieces in a position for you to win chess life football You can't. It's impossible. Coaching matters at this level. Hey, look, when you're in a college game, you think Nick Saban's the greatest college football coach of all time? Nick Saban does this, gets the best assistance, recruits his ass off, and has an eye for talent. He surrounds himself with greatness. He knows it his coaching staff, all these guys. with the reason they make $2.5 million a year? Why would I leave that? And the friendly confines of rehabilitation Nick Saban slash Alabama coaching staff. Look at the rehabilitation projects he's had. Sarkisian, Kiffin, coach at Maryland. <laughs> Look at them all. He's taken them all, built them back up, and they're all making $9 million a year now. Only Saban could do that because he has the equity. Hires great talent. And you know what I love about Saban? Unlike my business, guy has a dent in the fender. Saban doesn't care. He sees talent. He knows that talent knows that this is it. This is his last shot at the title. The brass slipper. Whatever you want to call it. I'm going to bring you in here, Steve Sarkeesian, even after you got drunk at Southern Cal. Or Lane, how you got blown out at USC. Gives them all a shot. They redeem themselves, rehabilitate themselves. That's why that guy wins national titles. He gambles on people. Most people don't gamble on people because they're too afraid. Gannon has no imagination, Sills. (laughs) completely true how that guy is getting sniffs like the texans interviewed him for the head coaching job before they hired lovey is remarkable i didn't see one redeeming thing about that defense last year that made me go that guy's a coordinator and i'll say one more time like we so nick sirianni is in, still in training wheels, and so is Jonathan Gannon, and so is Jalen Hurts. How could you build a franchise around a kidney garden mentality of learning how to walk as a coach, a quarterback, and a coordinator, and think that's all going to get plugged in and win? How, how How if you're Howie, or is it easier to control? See, that's why he hired those guys like that. Roseman hired that for this reason. He could control him more than he can control Jim Schwartz, the former DC, and Doug Peterson. Those guys were hard to handle. They were former alpha head coaches, or Jim was in Detroit, and Doug was the head coach. Those guys are like dealing with lions in a cage, and you got to go in and feed them. Okay? Guy like Gannon sirianni some of these guys that they have all those training look about the the special teams coach i saw the special teams coach picture <laughs> the eagles media guy i thought he was 17 years old i was like who is this guy what is he a ga no he's a special teams coach i'm like okay holy cow <laughs> i was like all right That's why Belichick and Saban are best buds. We went to the playoffs, at least. Only knew... Hey, they did go to the playoffs. But I'll tell you what, watch this. Would I want Sean Payton to be my head football coach? Here, let me ask you this. If Sean Payton was the head coach... Of the Philadelphia Eagles, and Nick Sirianni wasn't, would you feel that Jalen's chances of succeeding in the NFL would be greater or less? What do you think? Would you feel more comfortable? I told you this last year. I knew Urban Liar wasn't going to win. Urban Liar is a fraud. Okay? He was never going to make it in the nfl because you know why people that get paid they see through your bs and the players saw right through that guy right away it wasn't hard okay you knew that that's why they got an adult finally in the room in jacksonville seth goes sean payton would have Jalen right Sills. wouldn't you feel better with a more experienced coach Coaching Jalen, then Nick. And by the way, Nick, I was told when he got the gig in Philly, this guy's some play calling guru, dude. Man, Frank Wright loved him in Indianapolis. This guy and Phillip Rivers did some of the best things they did. They won eleven ball games. All of a sudden, he comes here now. They're two and five. They yanked that away from him, and you passed it on because he needs to be a better head coach. Well, that's not kind of why he was hired. Sean would love to coach Jalen. Really? So he goes from coaching Drew Brees to Jalen Hurts, who doesn't have an arm. Hey, Seth, Urban Liar is a weirdo. I don't know who's a bigger weirdo, Deshaun Watson or that dude. Look, Deshaun Watson's a hell of a quarterback. But the creep factor is exceptionally high on him. If the thing I'm doing is reading my playbook and my second thing I'm doing is reading my Instagram accounts because I'm trolling for baiting suit chicks, that's going to give me a problem if I'm the coach. So, dude, wait a minute. The two things you read every night when you go home are not your tablet and your playbook. It's your tablet playbook and your Instagram accounts. Got it. That's too high on the creep factor for me. It's it's creepy. I I mean, there's just no, there's no getting, hey, watch this. Sills, do you like Deshaun Watson? Man, he's a hell of a quarterback. Would you want him as the face of your franchise? I don't, you know, I, yeah. (laughs) Hey, I tell you, the creep factor's high. And I think I'd have to answer a lot to my daughter, Danielle. Yeah, I'll don't go there you said you'd give Jalen a three-year deal if he, two-year an option, if he puts up this. Bob, I did say this. If Jalen Hurts shows me 3,800 yards, 23 touchdowns, I'll give him a two-year deal and an option because I don't want to tear it up. And I might get myself into Joe Burrow sweepstakes because you know the Bengals ain't paying Joe Burrow $55 million in two years. Man, let me go get that guy. And then how he may, over the next two years, build up four first-round draft choices, that's what it's probably going to take to get Joe Burrow out of Cincinnati. You know, there could be a master plan here. Eh, let me hang around with Jalen for two years. I'm good here, and then that, hey, that guy's contract and Justin Herbert's contract come up. Eh, you know. Mike Brown, he's got a problem playing Jesse Bates. A safety? You think he's going to pay Joe Burrow $55 million annually? Oh, man. You don't know the Bengals then. Hard to believe that that franchise has been to three Super Bowls. And the Lions have never been to one. It's insane. The Bengals have been to three. That's unbelievable. Actually. All right. Hit the like button. Hour three we will reset. Keep it right here on the National Football Show.
3: Go for the polls. And the pools. Go for the oohs. And the ahs. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
4: At Action News, we cherish every moment. And it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News.
2: national football show your boy big Sills. appreciate you coming aboard please hit the like button thank you so much want to show you a little bit before we move on by the way playoff teams that i think for the 2022-23 nfl season will reset what i said about Jalen and his past attempts and how they've got to improve we'll do that here in a minute but i want to show you something about the nfl and take you a little bit behind the scenes Remember when everybody was saying that moving to Vegas might be a bad idea and the Raiders would flop? $119 million in ticket revenue for last year. $119 million. Why would they ever stay in Oakland? And you want to know about something about that deal? They were tenants to the A's, which meant they paid rent to the A's, who didn't, who didn't draw anybody. NFL's, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. Look at the Chargers. Not totally a grand slam yet, but they tripled revenue from San Diego. It's a complete goal mine. So when everyone was telling Jerry Jones and Bob Kraft and Roger Goodell, and back then when Paul Allen was alive, hey, guess what? Moving these teams a bad idea. Al Davis is turning over in his grave going, say that again? National Football League is a cash register right now. You know, it's funny, every time you hear race, the sexual harassment case or sexual misconduct case against Deshaun Watson, they don't give up. Crap about that stuff whatever hurts the shield you see the nfl is not racist they're just colorblind but that color's green highest paid players in the league today are african-americans it's got nothing to do with that anything that hurts the brand kaepernick tebow michael sam to some aspect out I don't want any of that crap in the in the building. <laughs> That's why I'm, sho- I'm actually shocked that Daniel Snyder still owns the team. I am. I'm shocked. Okay? Because that guy has been a nightmare since he has owned the Washington Commander things, whatever they're called. <laughs> the RFK was on fire the other day. I was thinking it was Daniel Snyder trying to set a fire because he has torched that franchise since he's owned it. He is the he's the Dolan of the NFL. Dolan who owns the Knicks is terrible. Daniel Snyder is the worst owner in the league. He is. That guy still owns the team. It's my numbing. Please hit the like button. All right. I want to throw out my predictions on NFL playoff teams this year these are the teams that i think that are going to make it to the postseason teams are showing up to training camp we get to start doing some fun stuff here a little bit about the upcoming season okay i'll start it off in the nfc east and by the way i'll get back to Jalen here in a second okay bear with me here how many teams do you think come out of the nfc east this year how many teams How many teams do you think come out of the NFC East? Can I tell you my prediction? I think the Eagles are the only team that's going to come out of the NFC East. I don't think the Cowboys are a playoff team. I think Zeke Elliott's not the player he was three years ago. I think the O-line is diminished. You know, Micah Parsons has to play better because of the loss of Randy Gregory and other components on that defense. He has to actually play better than he did last year to keep just the same production that they had a year ago with Dan Quinn as the coordinator. And I don't believe they're going to do that. They were high in turnover um, differential. That number is subjective every year. Some years you have great turnover. Some years you don't. And the kid digs, in my opinion. I think he gambles too much. I I don't think the Cowboys. Nor do I think Washington. Now, I think they're all going to be in a conversation for the NFC East. I think those three teams are going to go back and forth. Okay, I do. But I think the Eagles are going to come out. I've already predicted it. I think the Eagles win the NFC East. And I think they have a great shot at getting to the NFC championship game. Why wouldn't they? They have every talent at every position and there's no excuses i'm gonna hold you accountable to that nfc north i think vikings and packers but you know what want to hear something i think the packers are the wild card i don't think the vikings are the wild card i think justin jefferson is going to continue to be justin jefferson i think kirk cousins is going to continue to put up enormous numbers, seven picks, 33 touchdowns, over 4,000 passing yards, six years of 10 years. He's thrown for over four grand. wasn't their offense that was the issue. It was their defense that was the sieve. Dalvin Cook, 1,100 yards rushing. Adam Thielen, who missed a boatload of games, still had almost 800 yards receiving. I think the Vikings are going to win that division. Packers? They're better on defense, okay? They're better on defense. But I want to see how that dynamic works with their offensive skill set, guys. Losing Devontae Adams, let's see how that plays out. Could be beneficial to everyone else in the group. Packers have only drafted two first-round wide receivers in 42 years. It's not like they draft a bunch of first-round wideouts. That's not in their DNA. NFC West. I actually think you're going to get three teams out of here. I think the Rams are going to win the division as the defending Super Bowl champions. I think Cardinals and 49ers are going to make the postseason. I think Niners and Cardinals will be nine-win ball teams, and I think they end up making the postseason. Um, I told you before, we previewed the Cardinals. I don't know if they're all what they were a year ago, especially on defense, losing Chandler Jones, J.J. Watts, not really the same dude. Week five on the schedule for the Eagles, too. I don't know. There's something about Kyler Murray, but I do think they make the playoffs. Worst division in all of football is the NFC South. Bucks win it. Can you imagine when Tom Brady retires? When Tom Brady retires... Baker Mayfield may be the best quarterback in the NFC South. (laughs) Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. Here's the quarterbacks in the NFC South this year. You ready? Outside of Brady. Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold, and Marcus Mariota, right? Falcons, Carolina, Saints, Jameis Winston. Yeah, G. Meta, that's a good point on the Cardinals, too, man. With that six game suspension, that does play a factor in it. Let's go to the AFC. So here's my playoff teams division winners Eagles, Vikings, Bucks, Rams, wild card, Packers, Cardinals, 49ers. AFC, East, Bills win the division. I probably think this is going to be a shocker to you. I think the Dolphins are a wild card team. I think two teams come out of the AFC East and one of them's not the Patriots. Do you know the Patriots haven't won a playoff game in 3 years? If you're Bob Kraft and they don't make the playoffs this year, are you doing this to Bill Belichick? Hey Bill, you know, 70 years old, you know. Right? Do you start doing this? I don't know. Right? Hey, Bill. What's up? Before years, we haven't won a playoff game. Eh, are you starting to look like Cleveland, Bill? I'm just saying. I know he's going to try to chase down Shula for the all-time wins. I think it's 326. He's a little bit off that pace. But he's he's I think he's at 304 or something like that. He's a couple years away from that number. If he wants to be the all time winning single season coach. Now, with the playoffs and with the regular season, he's got that number, but right now Shula still owns that number. By the life, appreciate you coming aboard. Thank you, my friend. AFC North. Ready? I think the Bengals do it again. I think they win the division. I love Joe Burrow. I am a gigantic Joe Burrow fan. He is the only quarterback that I see in today's game that has the Brady quality that I'm looking for. Leader, tough. But I'll tell you one thing they got to do. Mike Brown, SOS. You better protect that guy. Hey, and by the way, if I'm, if I'm Howie Roseman, eh, let me see, how many first-rounders would you pay for Joe Burrow? See, we got two years. Two years. How much how many first rounds would you pay for Joe Burrow? Five? Five. Five first rounders for oh man. I'm sounding crazy. <laughs> hey, maybe I'm not though. Am-, am-, am I sounding crazy? Would I pay five first? Xander, would you pay five first-rounders for Joe Burrow? Five first-rounders, would you pay for Joe Burrow? Five. He's better than Watson. Watson got three. Two in Rager. I love how people like to throw garbage into a deal. Dude, nobody wants to take out somebody else's garbage. Garbage. Don't ever put Jalen Rager in a deal for Joe Burrow, ever. <laughs> I know you're trying to get rid of your garbage, okay? But why would the Bengals want your garbage? Jalen Rager's garbage. Matt Jones has similar qualities? I don't think so. A little bit. I get it. Three first-rounders? Tops. I get do it. I don't know about five either. I don't know. Burrow's the next. Brady Sills. Hands down, my... Favorite quarterback. Dude, I love him, too. God, he's good. Isn't he? Shit. I think that guy could play, man. Deal breaker five? Five to six. I give up five. Dude, that's a half a decade of my future. If that guy gets hurt catastrophically, I'm finished. I'm finished. Yeah, but I would love to have a couple of Oxy Howies. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, thank you, thank you. AFC West, best division in all of football. Brown, uh, excuse me. I say the Broncos win the division. I think they're going to be your division champs. I think Chiefs and Chargers are your wild card. That's a strong division, and the Raiders will probably be one of the best teams in football not to make the postseason. You can see the Raiders win 10 ball games, or 11 and not make it, in a very tight AFC. AFC South got the Colts. Colts. Who would have thunk? Frank Reich? <laughs> Frank Reich. Has done a great job coming over from OC with the Eagles and turning into pretty good head football coach. Really good head football coach. So here are your AFC teams. Bills win the division. Bengals win the north. Broncos win the west. Colts win the south. Wild cards. Dolphins, Chiefs, Chargers. Wow. Hey, AFC, dogs. That's a pretty good conference, man. Imagine Burrow behind that Eagles O-line. Whew. Broncos, definitely. I got Jackson while winning that division. Really? You th- I, dude, I don't see them winning more than six. Jonathan Taylor's coming off an 18-10 season. 1,800 yards, man. I really like him, too. Raiders are going to be in the mix also. Yeah, it's Seth. Writers are going to be right there. He'll be right there with the Chargers. What do you do, like Howie? <laughs> yeah. Hey, AFC is stacked. It really is. All right, let me move on to a topic that we talked about at the top of the program in the first hour here. By the way, if you missed any of the Seth Joiner interview, please go back and watch it. Um, I love Seth. Seth is really awesome to us, man. He's been great. Um, he is, he, he, he is just a spectacular, spectacular analyst too. And so we're really proud that he's going to come on the show as much as he can during the football season here. Um, if Frank had some legit weapons, the Colts would be a top seven offense. You know, what's funny, Mr. International two years ago, they were in the top 10 in both defense and offense. Derek Carr always plays well, Yale. Sills, when is Hollis Thomas? That's tomorrow. Way to go. Thanks for reminding me. All right. Let me go back to what we talked about, and I kind of broached this thing here with with Seth Joyner a little bit. Improving the offense, coaching-wise. By the way, I hope one thing that you've noticed today We've talked enough about Jalen, what he needs to do, where he needs to go, if I believe in him, they believe in him, if this guy now it's about paying rent in September, okay? Now it's about rent in September. I said this to you. How are you gonna go from twenty eight attempts to forty attempts in a game? With a guy that you're not sure, and the reason you won is because you took those reps away. Seth didn't realize that the number was that high, 28. He thought it was lower, but you remember in the first seven, they're throwing the ball 33, 35 times a game. They were, the first seven games, they had fool's goal off that Atlanta game. They were believing and the offensive output when they finally realized that the Atlanta Falcons had a crappy ass defense, that's when they started miss, you know, missling the fact that they were gonna have to go towards running the ball more. They're gonna they started making that B line right for eh, we're gonna have to run the ball. They went to the strength of the team, they created an identity. Okay. How many times a game do you feel comfortable with the offense throwing the ball in 2022 for me? And by the way, Seth Joyner doesn't think that A.J. Brown's going to have giant numbers either. But you guys all do. Go back and listen to the interview. He doesn't think he's going to have big numbers. I think A.J.'s going to be 65 to 68 catches. 1,100 yards, maybe, but I do think his impact is going to be 13 touchdowns. He's going to be a red zone nightmare, and he's going to be a third down nightmare. That's kind of who he is. Okay? That's who he is. And if you're expecting 1,500 yards and 100 catches, you're misguided. Okay? Okay? You're misguided. Now, where I want to see Jalen improve, watch this. Doesn't have to be 45 times a game he throws the ball or the offense throws the ball. They got to improve yards per catch. They got to improve their screen game. Dude, he was atrocious. Or the offense was atrocious. At a lack of screen game, Brady has made a living out of dink and dunk and screen deep. Dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk, deep. He's won six Super Bowls, excuse me, seven Super Bowls doing that. Something Wentz hasn't figured out. It's okay to throw it in the stands. It's okay. Carson Wentz hasn't figured that out. I told you what I would do to that kid if I was Ron Rivera in Washington. I would tell him I want him to throw four footballs into the stands every game. I'll pay the fine. Throw four in the stands. I don't want to see you playing hero ball. Hold the ball, sack, fumble, recovery, touchdown, field goal. You're down seven or three. Give me a break, Carson. Throw it in the stands. He hasn't figured that out. He's going to. I think Ron's going to beat that out of him. Eagles got to improve on that screen game to be able to. Im- you know what's funny? For the Eagles to be able to improve on their football team's success throwing the ball, they were 27th last year, as we know. For them to be able to improve, they got to improve their, they got to improve their short game. Improve your screen game, your slot game. Throw into the slot. Look at what Brady's tight end slot position. Dude, Amandola, Edelman. How many Y's and Z's in New England do you remember that were just absolute dynamite players? Randy Moss? They didn't win a Super Bowl with him. And they broke records, but no rings. <laughs> right, said throw it in the stands. The Eagles got to improve their short game thinking and dunks. Then again, they got to have better pass catching um running backs. <clears throat> and this is why Miles Sanders is not going to get a contract extension. It's not because he can't run for 1100 yards. He can. But he's not a pass catching Brian Westbrook type running back. Dude, I told you guys this a couple weeks ago. If Brian Westbrook played in today's NFL, you think Christian McCaffrey had a Brinks truck backed up to his house? You couldn't pay Brian Westbrook. You could, you'd could. you be paying him $30 million today because of his versatility. 1,300 yards in between the tackles, 77 catches, 800 receiving yards. That guy was a base. And you want to know the most important thing that Christian McCaffrey's not? He's durable. Guy's Durable. I think we'll, I think we'll see Hertz throwing from the pocket more. He's not a pocket passer. You might want to get him on the move, don't you think? He's better moving than he is seven step. I mean Yale. When I see Jalen being a success, and I see him breaking people's hearts when he gets out there on third and nine and he runs up the field and he breaks the defense's back, it's because he has the threat of running and passing. And you know what else the biggest thing is when you have a guy running into one sideline? What is the number one advantage? Bill Walsh told me this years ago. You know what that is? Watch this. When you're in the middle of the field, and you drop back, and you sprint right, you're managing half the field. He doesn't have to manage the entire field. Plus, he's got a sideline to protect him, in case there's a throw that's array or goes sideways or what have you. Over, to, he doesn't hit him on target. You have the sidelines to protect the guy too. It's how they developed Montana. Walsh told me that they rolled him right all the time. The catch in the back of the end zone with Clark was a roll right. He was still learning. Joe became Joe. Wasn't Joe sitting back there in the middle of the field and the guy, the guy was just incredible back there. Same as Brady. I mean, pre-snap stuff between those two guys, legendary. Shit, Joe Montana and Tom Brady probably knew where to throw the ball an hour and a half before the game started. That's how good they were already broken down. Your defense had an idea who you were. Jalen Hurts has a noodle arm. Yeah, you can win with a noodle arm. Hurts isn't accurate enough. No, he's not. So you compensate. Run it, roll him. Run it and roll him. Until maybe we see him getting better. Isn't Lamar Jackson a weapon when he's moving around in the pocket like that? (sighs) Pfft. Man, when you're a defensive guy, and you see Lamar Jackson back there, and you know he led the NFL in touchdown passes, and you watch that guy start to take off, and you're a defensive guy, you're sitting here like this. Jesus. (laughs) Okay, he can hum it 40 yards down the field, and he can take off 40 yards. Best open field quarterback runner in the history of the league is that guy in Baltimore. And he's big and elusive. And he's tough. There's nothing about Lamar Jackson I don't like. Nothing. Josh Allen, another guy. Josh Allen's a freak show when you watch him play. 85 yards rushing, 397 yards passing, three touchdowns. How dueling your guy. Those guys are like they're unicorns. Jesse goes, Lamar had 3,100 yards his MVP season. He also had 36 touchdown passes and 1,400 yards rushing. He led the NFL in completion percentage, too, if I'm not mistaken, that year. So let's tell the full story. He had 36 touchdown passes. <laughs> okay? said, people are really, sales. people are really thinking We'll have two. You're not going to have two thousand yard receivers. You may have one. I think your tight end's going to have a big year, though. I do. I think the tight end. It's going to be ninety catches somewhere around thousand. He'll be in the room. You know what though, guys? If I did, if I said this to you, um, AJ Brown has thousand yards. Devontae has nine hundred. Goddard has 900, 75 catches for AJ, 85 catches for Smith, 95 catches for Goddard. Offense improved. That shows me three guys got the ball. That shows me your offensive passing game improved. And if you're being able to put up wins and losses that matter. Okay. Has there ever been an all-pro wideout in Baltimore outside of Anquan Bolden? Let me think. Have they ever had an all-pro wideout outside of Anquan Bolden in the building in Baltimore? Even in the Flacco days. Well, they had Shannon Sharp there, but he's a tight end. I I can't remember a big-time wideout like ever in Baltimore. Steve Smith, Carolina. Steve Smith, kind of, you know, past the day a little bit. Steve Smith was a incredible ball player when he was a Panther. Tough, fought you. I <laughs> like me some Steve Smith, man. I'm a Steve Smith fan. That guy, man, he was a tough dude. Guy goes on NFL Network. I think he's gonna fight every desk host that they have there. To- <laughs> right. I mean, every, every time Steve Smith opens his mouth, I think he wants to fight Michael Irvin. Passing game has to improve with these weapons, correct, Sills? Seth. Yeah, but don't go by just the numbers. Go by how you're dominating games. You got to balance your winning games by 10 points. and I mean, the year Carson Wentz through for 4,000 yards in Philly. He didn't have 1,000-yard wide receiver on that ball team. Okay? I think he threw 33 touchdowns that year. All right? All right, please hit the like button. Here, guys, our friends at Morgan & Morgan, where the fee is free, do me a favor. If you're ever hurt or injured on the job, calling Morgan & Morgan is one of the most important things that you could possibly do. And for the people, it is not a slogan. It is who they are, my friends. Over 800 attorneys strong. And that law firm, they're the biggest law firm in the country, ready to do battle for you. Okay? Know this. Last 30 years, I've known John Morgan. They've collected over $13.5 billion in compensation for all of their clients. Meaning this, they don't get paid unless you do. And they're there to battle for you. There's no such thing as a fender bender at Morgan & Morgan. Okay? So, do me a favor, call them, 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. The call is free, the consultation's free. 800-512-1600, open 24 seven, seven days a week. And when you call Morgan & Morgan, you tell them Big Sales sent you.
6: When choosing a lawyer for your injury case, you may ask, does the size of the law firm matter? Well, of course it does. The insurance company, they're huge with unlimited resources. And whether your case is big or small, They're built to bully you out of the money you're owed. But here's the good news. We're big, too. The biggest, actually. And we're built to bite to make them pay for all that was taken from you. Size is our strength. There's only one Morgan & Morgan. ForThePeople.com.
3: Go for the polls. And the pools. Go for the ooze And the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
4: At Action News, we cherish every moment. And it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at
5: Action News.
2: Back, National Football Show with your boy Dick Stills. Please hit the like button. Thank you guys so much. So, the 49ers have given Jimmy G an opportunity to pick his landing spot. Dude's 38 and 16, and you don't want that guy in your building. And he's 5 and 2 in the postseason. And last year, he went into Dallas and he went into Green Bay and won ball games. <laughs> What what, what do you think you have in your building that's better than him? By the way, let me ask you a question here. This goes into Jalen Hurts a little bit, too, versus Jimmy G. You know what I think of Garoppolo. Would you rather have a quarterback who's always healthy and sucks, or would you rather have a great quarterback who's not always healthy? What would you rather have? It's almost a dumb question because I keep hearing people go like this when it comes to Garoppolo. He's not healthy. And you're coming from a place where you have Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback or Drew Locke or Sam Darnold. And I'm like, this, well, what you have is not good. If I get Garoppolo for 11 ball games and I win nine of those games. How about this? With Jimmy Garoppolo quarterbacking your team in Carolina, you win nine games. Same with Seattle. With Drew Locke as your quarterback in Seattle, you win four. In Carolina, with Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield, you win four. With Garoppolo, you win nine to 10 in that division. So I I, I I started dissecting that a little more. Yeah, you know, you're right. So you'd rather have Justin Fields in Chicago than Jimmy Garoppolo because he may not play a full season for you. Jalen didn't play a full season last year. He was yanked for one game. And at the end of that, he got, what was it? He got hurt in the other game. New member, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Randall. Hey, Seals, what do you think of Zach Wilson being intimate with one of his mom's friends? Hey, what do you want me to say, man? Guy likes experience. He's looking for experience, you know. He's, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with a young fella, you know, going after experience in anything in life, women. Radio broadcasting, coaching, yeah, <laughs> He he just likes experience. Geez, you're gonna shoot down a guy because he likes experience? I don't know, man. Hey, he likes experience. Look at Steve. Hey, I salute you. Hey, bona fortuna. good for you. Guys like experience. Eh, that's see, I'm never really into like. When I was a young guy, I was never really into young women when I was even young, so I I don't know. There's something to Zach here. (laughs) Likes experience. It's all right. So Jimmy G, you know where they're saying he lands? Oh, my God. The New York Giants. They got some weapons in New York. If Garoppolo goes to the New York Giants... That's a franchise changer for them. You move off of Daniel Jones because he's still on that rookie contract. You didn't pick up his option. And he's in the final year and you pick up Garoppolo's deal. Eh, but like, I'm kind of liking that. If I were the New York Giants, I'd go get Jimmy G. Paisan in New York. He's in the NFC East. Could easily be the best starting quarterback. By the way, if Garoppolo goes to the NFC East, he will be the best starting quarterback in the division. That record proves it. Guys, 38 and 16 with the postseason. Two of the last three NFC championship games has an NFC championship to boot. And, you know, you could, you. I know what a lot of people do. They go like this and say this. Well... You know, I mean, the 49ers have a ready-made Super Bowl roster. Well, then how come the coach is 7-28 without Garoppolo as a starter? I thought Kyle Shanahan was some sort of, like, play-calling guru. John Lynch was this master at building rosters. Well, what happened? Jimmy G's not in the starting um, seat there in San Francisco. That thing goes to hell Quick. He else is better than Dak? Yeah. Dude, he rolled into Dallas last year and beat the pants off you. <laughs> hey, Sydney. So, wait a minute here. Sydney goes, How about the Browns? Wait a minute. So, you're going to pay Jacoby Brissett, Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, and you're going to add Jimmy Garoppolo to your quarterback room. And you're going to pay all them guys. Okay. You're paying one guy $45 million. You're going to pay Brissett another five to seven. Okay. So you got $52 million in two guys. You still got to pay Baker Mayfield 12 of the 18 million. You're talking $65 million. <laughs> and you're going to go get Garoppolo 24. All right. Sounds like a very Browns thing to do. <laughs> I mean, there is a salary cap. You know, I mean, dude, that'd be, that'd be so Cleveland. Yeah, we'll pay for another guy. (laughs) Okay. Personally, I don't think Watson's going to get that much of a suspension. I think he's going to be, in my opinion, I think Garoppolo probably hits between two and six. And they may not debate that. By the way, um, excuse me, Sean Watson. By the way, okay, I'll say this to you. Did you see what the NFL Players Association and Watson's people said? We want to go to court. What do you mean you want to go to court? Yeah. NFL wants to suspend me? We're going to court. Oh, 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 oh. what's the one place the NFL doesn't like? As the CTE guys. They don't like a courtroom. Eh, what do we got to do here? We're going to court. You're not suspending me for a year. Texans knew exactly what I was doing. They were involved with it. Eh. Well, you know, it's not being reported all that much, but why would the Texans settle with 24 or 20 of the 24 women? What, what's their accountability? Can we find that out? Oh, we will in a courtroom. Eh, Man, thinking the NFL doesn't want to go there. I personally think Deshaun Watson has the leverage over the league. Really? So you're going to suspend me for a a year, even though two grand juries said no. Okay, well, let's go to court, and I'll show you what the Texans did. And then, you know what you can always do, too? Browns gave me a raise, (laughs) and they guaranteed $230 million in my contract. Fully. A revolutionary contract. That's why it's being held up in Baltimore with Jackson and in, in Arizona with Murray. Two thirty guarantee to a guy with twenty-four sexual misconduct cases, <laughs> and you want to go to court? Hey, eh, come on, Lee. Don't want any of that. So you know what they'll do? They'll bite the bullet because the media and all of its hacks want that guy suspended. Okay. The media hacks want that guy suspended. Okay. And they'll go after him, but once he starts winning, you know what winning does. It's the greatest pill for amnesia. <laughs> I mean, what, what once you get, and you start taking the winning pill, all of a sudden everyone has amnesia, hey, you, know, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, Accosting a chick in a in a in a bathroom, really? The Steelers, okay, okay, right. Everyone forgot. Hey, Ray Lewis, Atlanta. Ray's a great entrepreneur now, face of the NFL's all time one hundred team. <laughs> okay, eh. <laughs> amnesia. Everyone has amnesia. Maybe two games at most Hills. He needs to play for everyone to make money completely. Don't let him play. Trust and believe that. it's Th- the reason why they didn't. I should... Okay, I won't say that. It's a reason why they haven't dragged his reputation through the mud. Is because he's going to be the face of the Browns. You can't have a a guy with the impression of a sexual assault dude A face of a team. Can you imagine a CEO of Apple? Well, yeah, this guy's got 24 misconduct cases against them. That might not be a good look when you come to shareholders and board of director meetings. Hey, Apple's really doing well. Yeah, but your guy, man, he's a creep show. (laughs) You know, the league knows that. You can't go like this in a community like Cleveland, which is a lot like Philly where you got a rabid fan base that's going to go like this. Hey, you know, I really love Deshaun, man. He's a really great dude. What about those sexual misconduct? What are you talking about? This guy won 12 games last year. This guy got us in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Oh, okay. Right? Hey, Gigi, right? Hey, Bob Kraft goes down to um, a couple massage parlors in Orlando. That thing got thrown away Fast. Now he's up for the Hall of Fame. How's that work? Bob Kraft, I think Bob Kraft if I'm not mistaken, could somebody check it? Bob Kraft's name now is on the um the Veterans Committee to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he was he, he, hey, he was stopped at a massage parlor in Orlando. And he wasn't indicted like Deshaun Now he's a Hall of Fame candidate. Only in the NFL, baby. Only in the NFL can you get there. Hey, I went in for a back massage and for my inner groin. I had an injury on my inner groin, man. Can you do something about it? Yes, we can. We can help you here, Bob. I'll be there right after the AFC Championship game. Bob, we have a chair for you. No. Here he is, Mr. Bob. <laughs> oh man. Unbelievable. And that's right, Sydney. 49% of the fan base in the National Football League are women. You don't want to alienate that part of your fan base. What are you crazy? Sills, what if Hertz gets the number one seed and gets hurt that Minchwell wins the Super Bowl? And you're back in the you're back in the Nick Foles seat again. That's what happens, double-O. Wentz goes 13 games. They're 11-2. and two. He gets injured. Mitchell goes in and leads you to a Super Bowl. Okay, hey, by the way, I will sew my head to my carpet if that happens for a second time. Because I said you'll never see that in the history of God ever again. Okay? You'll never see that. Okay? No way I will... Sew so my head to the floor and my carpet, if that happens again. Hey, wait a minute, Joseph. So, like, I amuse you? I, 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 what am I, a joke to you? What, what is this? Joseph, okay, I amuse you. How do I, how do I make you laugh? Huh? How do I make you laugh? Sorry, this is just an Italian thing. It happens. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just an Italian thing. I don't know, you know. You know, it's just something that has happened to me through my years. I don't know. It's just my, I got my wife talking like this now, too. Hey. Oh, by the way, I call my wife. You know what I call her now? Captain Evil. My wife's Captain Evil. She's like some anti-superhero. My wife... I don't think she's here, but I call her Captain Evil. You know, I'm having a good time the other day. I'm having a really nice time. I'm smiling. My wife comes downstairs. Why are you smiling at? What's going on down here? Nothing, honey. <laughs> like Captain Evil. Right? She's like, what are you doing? You know, we got bills to pay. What's going on here? The like Captain Evil. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know what I'm talking about, man. You can't have a great time in your life without your wife coming in and being Captain Evil. What are you doing? You know, we got to go somewhere. What are you having fun with? What are you talking about? You talking about me again? No, honey. <laughs> no, no, no I, I would never do that. <laughs> Captain Evil. Oh, good night, almighty man. See? Look what we did today. It was almost Jalen Hurts free. Okay? It was almost Jalen Hurts free. No bashing. I'll tell you this, man. Hey, you know what? I do think that's a great question, though. How did the furniture move? It hasn't moved since last weekend. So I'm all right. Okay. Okay. It hasn't moved. I'm hoping the silly old man came. I don't like to leave it and I don't leave it for very many people. Just so you know. Okay. I got to tell you something, guys, I'm more concerned. And I mean this. I'm more concerned about the coaching on the Eagles this year than I am. And I, and that was the main topic. Today, even when we had Seth on. I'm more concerned about the coaching of this team. I know I, I know Nick, and by the way, I think Nick got a great start. But when you're passing the play-calling duties off, and that's your forte, and you've got to develop a passing game, I mean, you feel me? Just and, – and here, maybe maybe this. I'm not so much concerned about the offensive side of the ball as I am the defensive side of the ball. I think this guy, Jonathan Gannon, I think he's inexperienced and I don't think he's creative at all. I, I, I don't see it. Okay? I don't see it. I would say this to you, Mr. International – the guy that they turned the uh play calling over to saved their season. They were two-and-five under Nick. I wonder if how we made that move. Coaching is the main concern, more so over Hertz. I agree two and five. Do we agree, guys? Dude, the coaching on defense, that soft ass zone that they played last year and that catch defensive tackle position that they were catching off the line of scrimmage they weren't setting the edges very well i don't know man you got a lot of new faces on that side of the ball too anytime you get new faces in the building people still got to find their seat you know you don't you know you ever you ever go to a new job you still don't know where the home room is you know what I mean? You, know, you don't even know where the bathroom is. Where did it make the coffee? You're still figuring that out. You're supposed to figure out what a cover two is in a system with Jonathan Gannon. Mr. International, but he, he is, like Seth said, he's what the NFL is looking at right now. Dude, Gigi, soft and slow. Man, that's one thing I never want to hear a defense. (laughs) Soft and slow. Dude, that's for an old fart like me. Soft and slow. (laughs) Okay? I don't want to hear that when we're talking about NFL defenses. Soft and slow. Not good, dude. (laughs) Right? Hollis Thomas tomorrow. We're gonna talk some Pro Ball with him tomorrow, too. Get his thoughts, man. So tomorrow we're like five days out from the start of training camp. By the way, it's my daughter's 21st birthday next week. <sighs> oh my god, you should see my wife. It's already a train wreck. Hey, we gotta do this. We gotta do this. Yeah, <sighs> I know. Okay, can you give me a break here, guy. <laughs> oh man. Hotsi Gannon, absolutely. Absolutely. Romantic smash face footy. No, I was thinking of getting my daughter a GPS necklace. (laughs) You know, maybe sneak it in there, right? I was thinking of getting a GPS necklace. Oh, Dad, this is a really beautiful necklace. Yeah, I got it at Haight-Ashbury, honey. It's really beautiful. Why is it glowing? I don't know. (laughs) Why is it glowing, Dad? I have no idea why it's glowing. (laughs) It's got a little GPS transmitter in there, right? Where is she? She's in Tucson. For what? (laughs) For what? Oh, man. Last year, Mr. International, watching the Eagles play defense last year, was watching – like watching a ping pong game. Okay. It was just like nothing. Ugh. Hey guys, really appreciate you guys coming aboard. Please hit the like button. Seth Joyner was spectacular today. And by the way, man, we really, really looking forward to the upcoming uh, season here. We got a great post game show too. I mean, I can't wait to see D gun and Mike Missanelli go back and forth. By the way, we're working on getting Mike next week on the program too. So, We'll talk some shop with him, too. Hollis Thomas tomorrow. Please do me a favor. Hit the like button. If you missed any of the show, share it, like it. Thank you so much. We'll catch you tomorrow going 3 to 6. We'll see you on the flip side.
0: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.